should do like 2001 a space odyssey and just wait three long minutes of just sound (laughs) (laughs) just weird sound effects yeah be real pompous uh, uh, podcast makers Mm. this is this is the art form the art house three minute intro Uh, welcome back to Stranded in Streaming. Apologize for that intro. It has nothing to do with the movie today. We're just, Absolutely nothing. We're just talking trash about Stanley Kubrick, <laughs> who tortures his actors. He's got like a reputation of torturing the hell out of his actors for like the art of the scene, mm-hmm. you know? So. Which is a shame because I really like The Shining. Yeah. That, that one was good. But you think that maybe before The Shining, like that was before he screwed up the main actors, like, you know what I mean? Like after The Shining is when... Uh, what, what's his name? The Jack Nicholson? Yeah, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Like, I think now that we kind of like figured out how crazy Stanley Kubrick is, Jack Nicholson was normal before The Shining. Oh, no. And then after The Shining, he tortured the hell out of Nicholson. And now Nicholson's like, <laughs> then they casted him as the Joker. That's why Jack Nicholson is the way that he is. It's because of Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> Who, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, is not with us anymore. <laughs> it's hard to say. Uh, okay, I'm totally off track, but uh, today... It has nothing to do with Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> Today is uh, we're back on track with the uh, Wachowskis, mm-hmm. The Matrix, Reloaded. Reloaded. Yes, ooh, ooh, in time too. Ah, <laughs> two thousand three. Yes, so four years after the first one came out. Mm-hmm. By the time this episode's air, our goal is to be like the first week of February. So you would you would already had access to the newest Matrix review, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Resurrections. Mm-hmm. You would have had access to the first Matrix. The which, original. The original, Jumanji, and Free Guy. We wanted to give you a break because I we kind of sat down and we were going to do the, all the Matrix like at once. Mm-hmm. And I realized that would, for some people who are just aren't in the Matrix, that's not fair to them. Right. A whole month. The yeah. very first launch month in January. <laughs> just, here's the Matrix. All four of them. <laughs> a very depressing series at the end of the day. <laughs> and I think um, because of that, from here on out, if we do series, I, if that take if they take more than two episodes, we mm-hmm. might just break them up. It's not a bad idea. So that way, there's always constantly a variety for you to enjoy. Because mm-hmm. I mean, the most we can do is an episode a week. Um, I can't imagine pushing out more than an episode a week because it's it's a lot of editing and recording, and we both take time out of our. It takes work. Yeah, real work. <laughs> so if you think it's just talking in a microphone, well, it's fifty percent of that. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but there's more. <laughs> But uh, we'll get into that some other day. Right. Okay. So Matrix Reloaded 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but but what do we usually do? We give you a, a well, we, we let you know if it's worth seeing. Right. And then we give you a spoiler warning, right? Yes. I'm still learning the routine of the show because <laughs> we change it every week. <laughs> um, so Carter, what would you tell people? Yes. So we'll do the uh, synopsis. And then <gasps> the, synopsis the synopsis comes first. That, that's what comes first. There oh, we go, man. It's a good thing. We have notes. <laughs> it's a good thing. You're in charge. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I couldn't do this show without you. I would just, <laughs> I just a lot of, uh, I, I uh, can't remember. What's the next step. You should watch this movie. It's a five minute podcast. <laughs> it's so easy. A caveman could do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss those Geico commercials. Oh, Anyway, uh, The Matrix Reloaded. Freedom fighters Neo, Trinity, and Morpheus continue to lead the revolt against the machine army, unleashing their arsenal of extraordinary skills and weaponry against the systematic forces of repression and exploitation. Mm. This comes to you from INDB. 
What, what was that line about uh, Arsenal? Um, How did that go? Their arsenal of extraordinary skills and weaponry against the systematic forces of repression and exploitation. So the Matrix. Extraordinary uh, skills. Skills, yes. So Morpheus's extraordinary skill literally would be just as confusing as shit and not very convincing to anybody. Let me get that off the bat. <coughs> Neo is obviously <laughs> Superman. That's easy. And Trinity is purely motivated by love and love alone. Just kind of Lois Lane to Superman. Yeah. Yeah. At least like, but if Lois Lane had two Uzis and could blast out of a glass window. Which in the newer movies she can. Oh yeah. I mean, Amy Adams, <laughs> she was a very capable Lois Lane. <laughs> That is true. For all we're... for all the crap and guff that we give the uh, the new Justice League movies, <laughs> Amy Adams did a good job. The real hero <laughs> of the D- DC universe, <laughs> the DCU, Amy freaking Adams. Oh boy. Uh, okay, so would you recommend people see Matrix Reloaded Carter just off the cuff? I would. Yeah. I think um, it's on HBO Max, so just like with the rest of them. If you have HBO Max, it's worth a watch, um, especially if you're a fan of the original. Um, this is a good continuation. Um, I will say, and this doesn't really fall into spoiler territory, mm-hmm. but the second and third movies, the entries into the Matrix series, Reloaded and um, Revolutions, they kind of go hand in hand with each other. Like, you can't watch them separately. Mm, yeah. not. I mean, you can, obviously, but... It's almost like they were hoping to do this one big entry and had to split it into two. That's a fact, actually. You nailed that's a fact. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Weird. (laughs) Reloaded and Revolutions were supposed to be one movie, Mm -hmm. but it was so long. They had to cut it. And this was 2003. So this is before people were okay with Zack Snyder's three-hour cut. (laughs) So they were like, "Uh, you know, uh, you guys, you're going to like, we're cool. We'll fund the movie. You got to make two. Right. And so they're like, okay. And then the next movie came out really fast. The next movie was six months after. Right. Because so. it really was all at once in production. They just had to split it in half. Yeah, correct. So you, you nailed it. Cool. Yeah. So it, it really does feel that way. You can tell by watching through the series that two and three really are one big long story that just happens to be cut in the middle. Yeah. Um, so if you've already seen them, it's worth a rewatch going to revisit. Uh, if you haven't seen them yet, I would recommend watching through the series. I, I 100% agree. I think Reload is one of the best matrix films. Uh, it doesn't dethrone the original, right? But not, not because the original was like, Oh, the, the Holy Mecca of matrix movie, <laughs> but it was the original had a different tone and feel. Yeah. But reloaded definitely amped up the, uh, I'd say the lizard parts of my brain, like, and the fight scenes <laughs> being the, the key explanation of that. We got more like, cause you leave the first movie kind of going, Ooh, Neil's got powers. And like, now this one, you get to really nerd out. Like mm. he's really kicking some ass, bro. <laughs> And and that fulfills the uh, the the mass the toxic masculinity inside me mm. that is always about the leading male role beating the shit out of everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> but Neo is not a douche, right? Uh, so yeah, that's uh, highly recommended. Just freaking see it. Reloaded is really fun. And if you don't get anything out of the Matrix, the fight scenes are awesome. Oh yes, very there's, cool. There's a freeway chase scene sponsored by GM. <laughs> <laughs> More on that later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a. I actually got a fun fact section because. I'm so uh, matrixy, and I realize instead of just like word vomiting, I can just give people fun facts. There you go. Yeah. So, <laughs> spoiler warning, shall we? We're getting more organized as we go. <laughs> it's it's going great. <laughs> Please send money. <laughs> spoiler warning.
as per usual, spoilers from here forward. So if you have not seen The Matrix Reloaded, go watch it and then come back. Or do whatever you want. We can't tell you what to do. <laughs> yeah, this is a... This is still somewhat of a free country. <laughs> and we're trying to figure that out as we go. Right. Flawed as it is. <laughs> but yeah, go live your life, but don't hurt people. Right. Yes. All right. Let's let's uh, let's get in. Mm-hmm. So uh, opening scene, right? Coolest thing ever. You can tell one major thing about uh, this film is that Ducati <laughs> paid good money to have their bikes crash and explode. Mm-hmm. It literally opens up with Trinity. Well, <laughs> it opens up with people punching out on the clock. <laughs> Which I really like. That's a very, for a movie that ended with a man flying into the sky, threatening a whole machine universe, it opens with your everyday blue collar worker. The midnight shift change for the security guards. (laughs) Clocking in and out. And obviously the spoiler warning is already there, but this is a dream sequence. Mm -hmm. And I like that Neo's dream is so, so detailed Mm -hmm. that he dreams of a man clocking out. I don't know if that means something deeper inside of Neo, that he's really tired of his shift (laughs) as the one. Or maybe it's just reminiscent of his previous life inside the Matrix. Oh, just, you know, he another was, cog in the machine. Yeah, another cog in the machine. A blue collar drone. Just well, no, he was more of a white collar. Yeah, he was working uh, computer programming and stuff. Big office gig. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, just a you know nine to five job, punching mm-hmm. the clock. <laughs> and out of nowhere, Trinity shoots over a parking structure, mm-hmm. uh, Ducati nine nine six bike in a beautiful black, <laughs> because it's the Matrix. Cool people wear black. That's it. There's there's literally no time where their stuff's not black. Mm-hmm. So that you can tell the good guys only wear black and the bad guys wear black and white. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this movie is very colorblind people friendly. So that's one thing I'll give the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let that sink in for a minute. <laughs> I got to say, sometimes I feel like I expect what you're going to say. And then there are other times you just like (laughs) colorblind friendly movie. That is not what I was expecting. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think was going to come out of my mouth? Now I'm curious on what your, (laughs) how your version would have. I just never expect, I never would have expected that. I I know that you're colorblind, but that never occurred to me. Well, I have a tough time. So reds and greens are a problem for me. Right. So the matrix being green, mm-hmm. um, depending on how bright it is, it's either yellow or blue for me. Right. Oh my gosh. So when I do the artwork for our show, I have to look at the hex code of the color to make sure that it's it's right. Because mm-hmm. one of these days, if you if you see our um, our album art for each of our episodes and it looks kind of wonky. Like that's a personal handicap. Okay. Like it's not Carter (laughs) and why I don't give that job to Carter is beyond me. (laughs) Okay. Who's going to do the artwork? The colorblind one. Yes. Ah, (laughs) you're hired. (laughs) Oh man. Uh, so Trinity, uh, flies uh, over the working structure, Mm -hmm. throws her Ducati, explodes the whole thing. I want to fault it, but I can't because it's a dream. Right. But then later when it actually happens in real life, it actually happens in real life, which is strange because that bike better have like some serious explosives strapped in. I've never seen a bike go into a building unless people are just leaving C4 like in that, like, I don't know, like nuclear power plant employees. And it was their security office, like computer monitors and a time clock. Yeah. Like what in there is explosive (laughs) and it, it blows the hell up. So the only explosive in there is the tank of gas sitting on top of the Ducati. (laughs) 
which at most would cause like a little bit of a flame. Right. And then maybe like a, like more fire than like explosion and fire. Mm -hmm. But I mean, like I say, this movie is, it really addresses the lizard part of our brains. Yeah. The side that actually like likes to play with guns and see things go boom. Mm -hmm. This is, this is that movie. And that's Hollywood for you right there. It's sensationalized violence and hyper realistic and by hyper realistic, not ultra realistic, like hyper beyond realistic. Yeah. Cranked up. right? Yeah. Cranked up excitement and explosions and then go boom. Um, <laughs> but yeah, because in real life, you know, a Ducati is not going to cause that kind of an explosion if it just crashes through the roof of a security building. With its 4.1 gallon tank. Yeah. So. <laughs> it so has we, more chance of ruining your like 4th of July barbecue than right. blowing up a security guard post. <laughs> So Trinity inherently in this dream and later on in real life commits a real terrorist act. I mean, these are innocent people (laughs) that are just a part of the matrix and (laughs) she throws an explosive bike into there, destroys it. It it cuts to Trinity falling, uh, breaking through a glass window Mm -hmm. and an agent shooting at her instantly. This movie opens with some, as I say, the lizard part of my brain, some bad assness. Mm -hmm. If you've never seen the first matrix, this is insane. If you've seen the first matrix, this is insane. Right. I mean, it just gets you right into the, the flow of things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so slow motion fight, Trinity's falling out, and then she gets hit by yeah. a bullet, mm-hmm. crashes into a car, and boom, Neo wakes up. Yep. Another waking up thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a theme in this these Matrix movies. Right. Lots of uh, smoke and mirrors and, <laughs> and waking up from bad dreams. <laughs> so uh, Neo is dreaming of Trinity falling and dying. It cuts to... Morpheus introducing Link. Mm-hmm. I will explain uh, some in behind the fun facts of why we have a new operator, Link, later on. But it's that scene literally is only there to introduce Link as a character. Right. When they're trying to find a place to park and plug in. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, Link, I found to be an interesting addition here. And I'll, I'll let you share the, the fun facts. Mm. He was Michael from Lost. Yes, he was, wasn't yeah. he? And, um, uh, me and me and my wife just watched through that last year. So that's all that I saw. As soon as he came on screen, I was like, that's Michael. <laughs> Is he looking for his son? <laughs> Walt! <laughs> I did not realize that was Michael from Lost. I'm so glad you caught that. Yeah. He's so, literally searching for his son. Like uh-huh. after he got jacked out of the matrix, he's still looking for him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That that was my fun fact. He's he was also in Lost. <laughs> Is he in anything else that you recognize him in? Not really. Um, he's made appearances here and there, but nothing big. Okay, so uh, kind of like just the side roles and stuff. Yeah, he was really good in Lost too. The fact that I can recall him yelling for his son mm-hmm. tells you that he's got like screen cred. Oh yeah. Um, okay, so after we get an introduction to Link, we have this kind of like dramatic suspenseful meeting of all the ship captains. Mm-hmm. Which, as a kid, I remember seeing this and I was like, "Oh, it's so cool!" All the ship captains. But as an adult, it's just kind of funny seeing like grown adults like in leather, mm-hmm. like, hey, go to our secret, secret meeting spot. Right. And then everyone stands in like a cult like circle. <laughs> and obviously Morpheus shows up with Neo and, and Trinity. Mm-hmm. And I like because the people are having a conversation and then Morpheus shows up and he interrupts them as if he heard them all the way down. Like he's far enough where he, he wouldn't pick up the unless we're all yelling, which none of the captains are yelling. They're all kind of talking about a relatively room tone. Right. And uh, Morpheus is incredible hearing picks up and then continues a conversation with him. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. So the, the meeting's happening, yada, 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 Oracle, blah, blah. We all, all the ships have to come back to Zion, mm-hmm. but 
Morpheus is asking for one ship to stay. And the reason why they're all being called back to Zion is because the machines are gathering forces to attack Zion. Yeah. They've found just like within hours of before this meeting um, that there's a force of machines that are digging from the surface down to the underground city. And for people who are forced to enjoy other pieces of entertainment to figure out their entertainment, the Animatrix's final flight of the Osiris plays into the information that that's the information the machines are attacking that needs to get to them. I never made that connection. I <laughs> I didn't either. I've seen the Animatrix. I've seen all of the short films. I, oh my gosh. Yeah. But that's, that's the thing is when this came out, there was video games that right. accompanied it. Mm-hmm. And to, play, to understand more, you'd have to play the video games. So this was like the birth of multimedia like entertainment. Yeah. The Wachowskis like, were like, hey, we're going to make a video game. We're going to make a short series. It's all going to be connected. Yeah. Like for 2003, this was like the, the birth of like hardcore consumer capitalism when it came to like movie franchise. Right. Um, so they they need to go back to Zion, like you said. Mm-hmm. Big attack. Impending uh, doom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we get the introduction of uh, uh, Smith. So the, uh, an right. Audi rolls up mm-hmm. and out walks an agent. And so Neo suddenly senses something's wrong, runs upstairs, a, uh, like a manila envelope is handed through the window. Mm-hmm. There's a voice at Smith. I'm looking for Neo. <laughs> yeah. You, you couldn't confuse this with anybody else, <laughs> but the headmaster L from Lord of the Rings. Right. You can't see his face. So you're not like meant to be sure that it's him, but it's definitely his voice. Mm. And he hands a package to one of the guards mm-hmm. and Neo rushes up. I love this scene. Neo is like, who is that? And one of the guards, <laughs> he says, how did you know someone was here? <laughs> and what really chaps my ass is this is the chosen one. <laughs> this is Jesus. He flies like since the end of the last movie, this is the great savior. He's, he's their free. Superman. <laughs> yeah. He's the Superman. So the fact that the guy can detect when something's going down shouldn't confuse you anymore. Right. <laughs> th- I mean, like this was all a prophecy, but it's real now. Mm-hmm. It's happening. There's evidence and you can see that he is. Yeah. The, he's the one. He's proven it to everybody. And this guy's like, how did you know what was going on? That would be me as a security guard. Mm-hmm. Not believing. Um, it introduces one of the first fight scenes in the movie. We discovered the agents are upgraded mm-hmm. and it's just incredibly choreographed some wire production. Mm-hmm. But one of the strongest things I noticed in this movie is the use of music. Every fight has its own cool soundtrack mm-hmm. and it's turned up. It's not like a, unlike the <laughs> the new movie, but <laughs> this was like peak matrix. I feel when it comes to like fight choreography and music and building of drama. Right. Oh, Don Davis. Yep. yep. Still Don Davis. Don Davis. But we'll save that for sounds. Okay. Uh, so fight scene's pretty cool. Neo takes off to see the Oracle. This is where we get like solid proof mm-hmm. that the man can fly. Cause in the end of the first matrix, he just flies into the sky, but it's kind of like hard to say. Cause you watch, you were introduced to this movie, that question of what was real and not mm-hmm. now this is like Canon, right? Neo can fly. He does a Superman thing, right? My notes are, this is the first of, uh, the rubbery Neos, <laughs> 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 which CGI 2003, <laughs> I remember seeing this for the first time as a kid. Didn't notice that in yeah. theaters, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, fun story, I'll share later about seeing this in theaters, but I sat in the front row because it was so packed <laughs> that I hurt my neck to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. Never watching the front row, which I feel like theaters have a thing against handicapped people. Yeah. Because the handicap seats are like way in the front. Or way in the back. Yeah. So if you have like already like disabilities, mm-hmm. now it's like another like, fuck you, disabled people. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, there is 
uh, not to get too off topic here, but it, it makes sense because most theater rows have stairs leading up to them and most disabled people have to, uh, oh, you're you know, right. remain in a wheelchair. So, mm. okay. So I take that back. <laughs> not even most disabled people. I'm, I don't want to generalize, but you know, right. a, a lot of disabilities, you know, require special seating. So I, I guess no, you're, having you're, them be on the ground floor that, that actually makes more sense than trying to walk them up the stairs. <laughs> Carter, you're uh, <laughs> you're self-aware of uh, people's challenges. Always impress me as I just freight train through. <laughs> Why do they put the disabled people yeah. right in the front row? <laughs> it really annoys me. <laughs> well, Dylan. <laughs> oh man. Well, now that I've offended everyone who's ever been in a wheelchair at any moment in their life, yeah, uh, way to go. Thanks. <laughs> continuing on. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, we're never going to get enough followers. <laughs> yeah, I liked them right up until one of the hosts talked shit about disabled people. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> so, yeah, he, he flies away and he actually goes to the Oracle's old apartment. Mm-hmm. Which uh, he finds nothing. Empty. And he even says, he's like, where are you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's the one, but he has a hard time. <laughs> he could sense Agent Smith coming around the corner, but he yeah. can't sense if the Oracle's in that room or not. Which, speaking of the the scene before that, where they they're about to fight the new upgraded agents, mm-hmm. they call him the anomaly. Oh yeah, and that was the first time that they mentioned that, and I thought that was interesting because you find out later on what that means, but this is the first time they mention it's the anomaly. You blink and you miss it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because to the agents, it's like this is the only guy that can fight back, right? Um, it's kind of cute that first fight scene. It's almost like you know Neo can take them on, so he's just entertaining them. Uh-huh. I mean, this is a man who can jump into an agent and blow them into a million pieces. It still is a little bit of a challenge for him, which which I like. And that's when you find out that they got upgrades. He he blocks a punch, but it's like inches from his face. He's like, hmm, upgrades. Yep. <laughs> and then proceeds to whoop some butt. Right. <laughs> uh, so cool. So cool. Because, I mean, I idolized Neo mm-hmm. after the first movie, being a young man at this point still. <laughs> Even now, I feel I'm always going to be a young idiot, man. Right. Forever, uh, forever a young idiot. <laughs> you forever and me both, pal. Forever dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be forever dumb. Um, so, yeah, the machines are preparing an assault on Zion. Everybody's being called back to Zion by the people in command. Mm-hmm. And when they do get back, Morpheus is immediately escorted <laughs> to go see the general or uh, commander 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 lock commander lock yep. uh-huh <laughs> um i can't remember the character's name but the one who was there to uh, keep the peace something uh Haman. yeah he you only see him in this one spot for this movie he's back in the third one so we can talk about him later the, the old the old guy the older guy yeah he's in another spot in this movie too him talking to neo about going to the engineering level. No, 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 not not the counselor. Oh, not counselor? No. When when they first get off the ship, Morpheus says, "Are you here to escort me to the stockade?" And he says, "No, Morpheus, I'm just here to keep the peace." Oh, oh, okay, yeah. That guy. Okay. I can't remember his name. Um and I don't have his um, Mufuni. I think it's it's Mufuni. Mufuni. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he's back makes another appearance later in the next movie. Yes. So, um, big appearance right <laughs> but yeah the other three guys that are there to escort him to go see Locke, they're like <clears throat> oh yeah they're, they're definitely they're very um motivated very upset <laughs> and it seems like morpheus is this very torn icon 
of Zion. Like mm-hmm. half the people love him and half the people like hate him. Mm-hmm. So Morpheus is already a, a controversial. Yes. Morpheus is a controversial character in Zion. And I was just going to say, I feel like controversial would be a good word to describe him, but also not because if it really is split 50, yeah. 50, it's not a controversy. It's just a split decision. Oh, okay. So there are, and I wanted to talk about that a little bit too, because um, when Morpheus goes to talk with Locke, you can figure out really quickly that they they are the two sides of the same coin. Oh. They both love Zion. They both want to protect it, but two very different methods. Okay. Locke is all military and strategy and brute force and tactics. And mm. Morpheus is like faith and belief and the one and prophecy. Mm. So, and I think that really speaks to that's everybody in Zion right now. Either you're on that side of the coin or you're on the other side of the coin. Mm. Like everybody wants to stay safe and be protected from the machines and the matrix and all that. But there are two very differing methods on how to go about that. And Morpheus and Locke, I feel like are the poster childs for each of those views. You blow me away with your your intellectualism because my notes are nowhere near as smart about (laughs) Morpheus and Locke. I feel I feel very inadequate. Do, do your notes just say they both used to date the same girl, <laughs> and now they mad at each other? And she's hot. <laughs> I date Naomi. <laughs> no, I date Naomi. <laughs> <laughs> that was the yeah my biggest controversy. The the, the the hardest controversy was who gets to date Naomi. <laughs> that, that was that was my problem in the Matrix. <laughs> Oh man! This, Actually, this is, this is why we compliment each other. <laughs> You're the smart one, <laughs> Mr. Carter. <laughs> I don't know if "smart's" the right word. Maybe just observant. Much more than I am. Um, but ha! You're the only person that couldn't spot colorblind. Oh wait. <laughs> <laughs> I stand corrected. No, actually, my notes on that section is um, Morpheus is not very convincing. God damn it, Morpheus. Not everyone believes what you believe. Mm -hmm. My beliefs do not require them to. Right. That's frustrating. Uh Getting into an argument with somebody like that who doesn't want to operate on... I don't know. I... When I saw this first, I was on Morpheus' side because I'm like, obviously the one, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm for Neo. Right. But looking at it from an analytical, like I'm an adult now and I don't like it when people say, oh, I feel like this should be the better choice. I'm like, well, yeah, what you feel and factually what's happening on the ground Mm -hmm. is two very different things. And I can respect how you feel, but we're trying to operate on some facts. And Locke is operating on the fact that big ass what half a million machines are coming to kill everybody mm-hmm. uh what, what they said one enough for every woman and child man woman and child there's two hundred and fifty thousand estimated sentinels on their way there and, okay and morpheus estimates that there's one for every resident of zion acknowledging the fact that the machines are coming to literally cannibalize us right and so I feel for Locke now as an adult watching this, I'm like, okay, this is the moment, Morpheus. You, like... You got to convince him. This We have to negotiate. got to bring him to, to your side. Yeah, like, <laughs> like give him something to work with. And his whole thing is, my beliefs do not require you to believe what I believe. It kind of reminded me of, like, when you get in an argument with a sibling, and then you just start, like, throwing insults at each other. Like, oh, yeah, well, you're just stupid. <laughs> Thanks, I take that as a compliment. Like, that's not going to get them to go on your side that's just gonna rile them up even further <laughs> like no it wasn't a compliment <laughs> and morpheus came off as really very smart in the first movie and mm-hmm. in this movie I, no, I mean i still think he's smart lawrence fishburne is morpheus no matter what right 
but there's just this weird conflict where I'm like, Morpheus, like we, we got to go a little bit beyond like, I have faith and that's going to be fine. He almost comes across as arrogant in his beliefs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that's where I'm like, like, I like you, dude, but this is tough. You need to be a little more uh, accepting of the other people that don't believe what you believe. <laughs> yeah. And, but, and he gives no facts or like um, uh, convincing argument or motivation or support into making his argument valid. Right. More or less because the Oracle told him what she told him, he's going off of blind faith. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, uh, then that leads back to exactly your intellectual look at mm-hmm. upon two sides of the same coin. I'm really glad Morpheus gets Niobe. So <laughs> I feel like for a man of faith, he, he deserves Niobe more than Locke. Right. Locke seems like not a fun guy at dinner. You know what I mean? <laughs> very stoic. Yeah. Very, uh, <laughs> This is this is how it is. Like if I was Niobe and I was like, Locke, I think I'm gonna go change my hairdo, and I feel Locke would be like, I do whatever you want, woman. <laughs> and I don't feel like that's the kind of support I'd like yep. to have from a partner. Mm-hmm. So Locke, decent commander, bad lover. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting uh, analysis. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> As I've said, uh, you have the better analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we cut to Link coming in to meet Z. Mm, his yes. wife. Mm-hmm. There's a conflict between them. And I like it when he opens the door, he goes, where's my p, uh, p word <laughs> for lady parts. I love that scene. It cracks me up because he's about to say the full word. And then there's children there. It's definitely implied. He doesn't actually finish it, but you can tell, you know what he's about to say. I really love this scene. Cause it really illustrates something that's not real at all. I've never met a man who can go meet a woman and refer to her as his P word. And she's enthused about it. Right. Like that would have been, even if the children were not there and he opened the thing and he's like, where's my P word? Mm-hmm. I don't think that even if she was not mad at him, which she is, I don't think that would have received a, a praise. It doesn't seem like that would have been a good idea. That that's who, who's, maybe there is a person out there who responds positively to being called the P word. Who's the target audience? <laughs> <laughs> it's not your wife. <laughs> it's, it's like music, uh, rap music videos. It's like the interpretation is all male dominated. Uh So it's like the woman's like um, role. It's just to like gyrate and dance. And for some weird reason, Link imagines Z is is (laughs) rap music video gal. Right. Uh, But their their relationship is actually very loving. She's upset that all the other ships have come home. Mm -hmm. Uh, His ship hasn't come home even once until now. Right. She mentions all the other ships have been in like twice as much, if not more, as any other ship than the Nebuchadnezzar. Fun fact, Nona, uh, the girl that plays Z, yeah. it's Nona Gay of Marvin Gay. Let's get it on. That's oh, his daughter. Really? Yeah. I just, that I was in the fun facts, that. but I wanted to, it's like, it's right there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Z is originally, uh, was originally supposed to be Aaliyah, the hit uh, musician of the era, but Aaliyah died in the plane crash. 2001. Oh. So they actually have footage. I've never seen them, but of Aaliyah playing Z's role. Interesting. And they went through many, many actresses and finally ended up with Nona, Nona Gay. Wow. So Marvin Gaye's daughter. Um, speaking of other people in, or speaking of, I guess, um, aliases, um, <laughs> actors, actresses, their real names, all that stuff. Um, <laughs> all that stuff. Z's, would it, I'm not sure exactly how they all relate. Like I mean, sister I know or sister-in-law? It's either sister or sister-in-law. Because um, Z's, yeah, uh-huh. Z, her, she's the sister of... Uh, Tank and Dozer from the first movie. Yeah. And Cass, which would be, I guess, her sister-in-law, because Cass would have been either Tank or Dozer's wife, right? Right. Okay. They're like interconnected via marriage somehow. Right. So Cass 
played by Gina Torres. Yes. Um, she's from Firefly. Zoe. Uh-huh. Zoe from Firefly and Ikora, the voice of Ikora Ray from Destiny. Oh, she's Ikora Ray? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. She's got a lot of sci-fi background. You, did you know that she was Lawrence Fishburne's wife during the time? No, I Her, did not know that. Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne. They divorced like a couple years back, like oh. three years from t- 2021. Gina Torres and Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, so at the wow. time of the filming of this, they were married. Oh, and when when Lawrence Fishburne gave her, um, he came home and he's like, "Hey, look, I was offered this role," and he was explaining the first Matrix to her. Mm-hmm. She was like, "Good luck with that." <laughs> she had no, <laughs> she was not supportive of it at all. Oh, She's no. like, "Well, that sounds like a wacky fucking movie. <laughs> Go do it, honey." And now she's been in how many sci-fi projects yeah. since then? <laughs> Firefly that didn't air until mid two thousands, right? Yeah. On Fox. So this would have been after The Matrix that she got involved in Destiny and in Firefly. and (laughs) Wow, that's funny. So after doing The Matrix Reloaded, (laughs) and she was in the third one, too. Oh, I like this sci-fi stuff. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Space aliens and lasers. (laughs) I'm in. (laughs) Anyways, yes, I agree. Big Gina Torres fan. Oh, man. Her role as Zoe, um, I... Oh, she's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, Zoe and, and Wash. I think they're my yes. favorite characters on the show. And their relationship of um, mm-hmm. we got to do Firefly. I feel like any Firefly is that weird show that if you're a sci-fi nerd, that's the dividing line. Oh, yeah. If you don't like like Firefly, that's where it I kind of defines what kind of science fiction fan you are. Yeah. I become an extremist. Mm-hmm. When people are like, I don't like Firefly. I'm like, well, I'm going to burn you at the stake. <laughs> like as soon as civilization falls, people who don't like Firefly. We're offing them. <laughs> <laughs> I only represent my views. I do not speak for Carter. <laughs> All I was going to add to that was I would like to know why they don't like it before we condemn them. But oh, I mean that's fair. <laughs> Give them a chance to explain themselves. Okay, we'll we'll do a public jury and we'll have the defendants explain why they don't like Firefly. Right? Because you never know; somebody might not like Firefly because it only lasted one season. That's fair. And I feel like that's a fair reason to not. I mean, it, I I still really like it. I don't know why anybody wouldn't like it for that reason, but <laughs> I will agree with you that we can give people who don't like Firefly a a, a chance to publicly explain why. Mm-hmm. But as soon as somebody pulls a Morpheus bullshit, where they're like, "You don't have to believe what I believe," I'm cutting their head off. Like, like just, just boom, like samurai sword out, beheading, like right there. Like, I, you better convince me. Like you could say you're, that's a valid thing. It only lasted one season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the writing sometimes fell a little off. It wasn't very consistent. Whatever. There are faults for sure. Mm-hmm. But if you want to pull that Morpheus bullshit with me, <laughs> you don't get to keep your head because you, you obviously weren't using it when explaining your side. <laughs> <laughs> and moving on. Uh, <laughs> Z and Link meet up. We yep. kind of see the relationship. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of gives a little exposition of the Nebuchadnezzar hasn't returned home at all. Other ships have. Uh, Z's mad because it is. It, it didn't really explain where they're married or not, but they're definitely in a, a long-term committed relationship with each other. Correct. Especially one I know where you can use the P word to refer to your significant <laughs> other. That's a strong relationship. <laughs> And she's still upset the next day when Link says he's got to go because they are immediately going back to plug back into the Matrix Mm. and kind of goes along with what she was saying the previous day. You know, every other ship has been home two or three times as much as yours. Why? Why do you have to leave again? And the only he says the only reason he's doing it is because he made a promise to Tank and Dozer, Mm. who were both previously on Morpheus's ship. 
I cannot wait to talk about Tank and the fun facts. Yeah. Of why um, Tank's not around. Oh, man. <laughs> Drama. <laughs> <laughs> well, whenever you feel it's relevant, feel free to interject. Um, this is the first time we've seen Zion, like the physical city, right? Yes. As a viewer, mm-hmm. um, if you've never seen it, and obviously for the first time, it, it's like, it's pretty cool. It's like, it's all its sci-fi glory is here. This is where, where the Matrix goes from kind of outwardly reality deception movie from the first one inception like to straight up like alien um, sci-fi realm. We get to see the real world. Yeah. Um, you've, you're only treated to that with the machine world in the first movie, but this it's like, wow, like there's, there's architecture. It's, it's all very underground, uh, uh, subterranean based, very like post-apocalyptic yeah. civilization kind of thing. Yeah. It looks depressing enough where I actually would consider not leaving the matrix. Cause I'm like, God, oh, that looks pretty terrible. <laughs> like it seems like quality of life is okay, but not as good as maybe, I don't know, living in a fantasy land. I kind of did briefly think about that. Like in the first movie, yeah. you know, Cypher wanted to go back to the matrix. Mm-hmm. How many other people were dealing with that kind of, um, Oh, that the realization. Disappointment. Yeah. Oh, Just yeah. waking up and coming back to Zion and realizing how bleak everything really is. <laughs> and and then just saying to yourself, okay, I need to find an agent. I need to get them to plug me back in. Yeah. And <laughs> offer something in return. Maybe the keys to Zion. <laughs> it doesn't sound so bad. Right. The machines could do something nice with this place. <laughs> I mean, Zion, as cool as in sci-fi as it looks. At the end of the day, you're right. It's dystopian future. Mm-hmm. So it literally is. It feels like it's the equivalent of sleeping in a dark metal room next to a water heater that's constantly <laughs> rattling. Just clank, 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 clank. And you're like, well, I just, I need to go back to the Matrix. This is. <laughs> or the washer and dryer from Dr. Strange's basement. <laughs> <Buh>. <laughs> that buzzing sound. <laughs> <laughs> just. Just. <laughs> Just dubstepping its way to life. Oh my gosh! We're introduced to Counselor uh, Hammond. Hammond. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like him. He's a troublemaker. <laughs> in the meeting between Locke and Morpheus, he steps in, and he's like, he doesn't resolve anything, and he kind of instigates things. Mm-hmm. He's like, "What do you think, Commander Locke? Now, what do you think, guy that Commander Locke doesn't like?" <laughs> What should we tell them, Morpheus? <laughs> the truth. And, yeah, Locke was like, don't tell anybody anything. We don't want panic. Mm-hmm. And Morpheus' whole thing, I think Morpheus said that just to be a dick. They're not going to panic. Everything's going to be fine. They won't even reach our door. Millions of machines are coming to kill us. Mm-hmm. But don't worry. We will <laughs> dance our way out of this. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the next scene. Yes, it cuts to um, the rave scene. and Morpheus makes his speech about the machines are coming, but we're not going to be afraid because we're still here and yep. and all that. And, yeah, starts this big party down in the uh, <laughs> the cave club. <laughs> <laughs> club apocalypto <laughs> which i there's something in my notes here um the wachowskis have a thing for rave scenes yeah the first matrix we have neo meeting a trinity in a club rave type zone mm-hmm. this movie we have this in the third movie we have club hell h-e-l mm-hmm. ran by the merovingian a nightclub scene also right with gyrating and dancing so there's almost i feel like if i make you know like every director has their kind of like their thing. thing yeah like michael bay is just everything catches on fire for uh what's uh who's the one shoot there's, there's gonna be a lot edit, a lot of editing here um, a lot of chopping uh quentin tarantino's thing is feet 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. Apparently, he's got the weird foot obsession. Um, foot and, and very gory, bloody violence. <laughs> yeah, like gratuitous. Yeah, that's his signature, uh-huh. right? Gory violence, kind of weird dialogue, mm-hmm. and feet. And it is, it is, and I'm, I'm not into feet. Right. I don't judge people who are, but I'll tell you this Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, love Margot Robbie. She mm-hmm. is visually. Without being sexist, she's visually stunning mm-hmm. as, as a as a woman. Don't want to see her feet for more than a minute and twenty seconds, and it better be like her moving her feet across the screen. I don't want to look at her feet all day. Mm-hmm. So obviously, certain directors have staples and things that they are into, I guess, or want to showcase more than other things. Yeah, um, the Wachowskis, it's it's clubbing. I guess so. Yeah, because there's not really a connection other than the, the overall theme of the matrix between the three movies. <laughs> okay. We got two hours of content and uh, I feel like it's missing something. Clubbing a club scene. Yep. <laughs> Where can we get some dancing? Slow-mo gyrating. <clears throat> this scene was so weird to me because they mixed this scene with Neo and Trinity uh, consummating their relationship to put it lightly as if they hadn't already. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> They've had many, op- and I'm sure they have, mm-hmm. which would be weird because you're the one having relations with Trinity <laughs> and Morpheus is two rooms down. Like, right. h- how do you look at each other straight in the face and you're driving around the Matrix being all serious <laughs> when you know, sure as hell, there was some noise? See, that would have been funny if they had added something like that in one of their outings into the Matrix. Like Morpheus just, acknowledging? <laughs> just Morpheus looking in the rearview mirror like... So you guys uh, pretty worn out for this uh, <laughs> this trip to the Matrix? Or? You guys all here? Hello. <laughs> sex happens, and it's okay. It's not a crime. Mm-hmm. I will never shame anyone for sex. I just don't want to watch it like on screen for for a point. I I say this, but I've never remembered a sex scene in my life that I that I was like, oh my god, that really played into the strength of this film. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to be corrected when someone says, hey. This sex scene was very important to this film. Right. I'm willing to hear them out, but mm-hmm. at the moment, this is definitely. I don't. I didn't need it when I was when I watched it for the first time. I was like, "Why are they having sex?" Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that it's like overly graphic, yeah. but it didn't. It was unnecessary. Yeah, is the thing. Like the whole club scene, it could have been shorter, mm-hmm. and we didn't actually need to see what was going on with neo and trinity like it just it didn't like you said it didn't add to the story yeah it wasn't necessary um if the if the club scene had been even half as long and we didn't see neo and trinity Mm. everything would have been implied and we would have had the same feeling yeah you could eliminate you could have what done the rave scene like just cut it in half Mm-hmm. Show that people were celebrating after literally Morpheus like works up the crowd. Right. Neo finds Trinity and they're like, let's get out of here. And yeah. then you can see them afterwards and it'd be, oh, you know what they did. You could show them going through a door and closing it like slowly yep. in a, a, a central way. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. Like leave the rest of the viewer's imagination. Exactly. Because nothing actually happens in the sex scene except really weird things that came to my mind. <laughs> One, Neo is having relations with the significant woman of his life, mm-hmm. the, the love of his life. Um, that's admirable. That's awesome. He thinks of her her um his his dream the dream that he's been having yeah so is it one of those things where like you're you're you know you're you're doing your business with your significant other and you're trying not to finish too soon so you have to think of like baseball or something to like (laughs) hold off the the uh the the oncoming wave right so is it that and that leads to another weird question to me is right after he thinks of that he like passes out kind of and then she has to console him so did the thought of trinity almost dying get him off (laughs) 
I there's lots of questions there. It was just yeah, it was unnecessary, a little weird. Yeah, the whole thing could have been done differently and it would have been just fine. I literally would have had a whole day on set doing a screen read of that whole scene mm-hmm. and asked out loud in front of all the mature adults. I'd be like, does Trinity die and get you off Neo? Like that would have been my straight question. Cause that's what it looks like when we're looking at the footage here. You can't tell. You can't tell. <sighs> so uh, anyways, I'll leave that for what it is. We'll move on. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I, I thought I would just talk trash about the sex scene and move on, mm-hmm. but I forgot uh, that how much it actually affected my psychological aspect of things. <laughs> Um, there's something weird about Zion real quick. When they first enter Zion, Zion controls. So the people that are opening the gates and stuff, they have to be jacked into the matrix or in a program. Yeah. They're in a network, Mm -hmm. but to maintain physical items in Zion. So it's almost kind of weird. It's like, wouldn't they just be some people in a room with computers? Cause why would they need to be jacked in? You know what I mean? I have a feeling that was just for like visual effect. Like it didn't really make sense. Like you said, it didn't really make sense for the story because um, all of those things that they were controlling mm-hmm. from inside whatever network they were in, it obviously wasn't the main matrix or else the machines would have been aware of it. Yeah. It has to be like an off like line server right. only in that area network. Yeah. But yeah, it didn't make sense because it was like controlling entry gates and um, automated weapons and things like that, like deactivating yeah. sentry guns and things like that. So that's all stuff that either could have been controlled remotely without being in the matrix. Yeah. You just be at a terminal. Yeah. Hitting. Okay. Right. I did think that was interesting, but it didn't really bother me, I guess, until I thought about it just now. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a very star Trek way of introducing like how advanced Zion is, which is cool. It it was cool visually and effect wise. It was, it was cool, but, but yeah, it didn't really feel like that was, um, realistic, I guess. I didn't notice it until watching it like (laughs) a week ago, (laughs) but I was like, wait, they're already out of the matrix. Why are they back? Well, they can't be the matrix. It's obviously a network. Why do we need it? And they have uniforms and stuff. It's mm. like, it's a club. It's a club of people that are like, Hey, we're the people that manage the doors. Right. And there was still a guy like sitting among the people that were jacked in in the real world. Right. Yeah. And yeah. he was operating like a terminal helping them out. So like <laughs> what, who's controlling what, and why do you need to be jacked into a matrix like program to control all of these things in Zion that we can just do from a terminal without getting jacked in. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Let's see. That's the only thing I got for the Zion section. I complained about Morpheus mm-hmm. not being very convincing, uh, sex scene, mm, the, uh, the ship that they, that it volunteered to stay behind when they were all going back to Zion, mm. they come back and they have a message from the Oracle. And right before that, we find out that one of the members of the ship, well, one got out fine. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is Bane who Smith takes control of. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it, it was cool when I was young. It was just kind of weird to think about it because when he takes control of Bane and then he answers the phone, then he's automatically like tra- his consciousness is transferred into our world. Right. But the weird thing is the message. I can kind of explain my way out of this, but the guy that they, he receives a physical item that mm-hmm. the message from the Oracle in the matrix, he puts it in his shirt coat, but he's in the matrix. So when he leaves, what does he ha- like? The matrix hasn't shown that things can physically be like, like matter doesn't transfer through. Right. But just like their consciousness and their visual visual representations of themselves can travel through a dial up internet connection over the phone. Mm. I wonder if putting that disc or tape or whatever it was in his pocket before he leaves, that's like, 
Oh, then they just actually like put it on a floppy disk in real life. Right. Oh, okay. Kind of like a a file transfer over a dial-up connection. Okay. 56K. <laughs> right. <laughs> that means jacking out of the matrix takes a good minute. So you better not be on the phone, Morpheus. <laughs> Morpheus, get off the line. Neo's trying to come home. I'm trying to make a phone call. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it's not your turn. Get off the phone. <laughs> Oh, I love dial-up. Oh, the, the new- Such good memories. <laughs> Fond bonding experiences with your uh, siblings. Huh? Oh, yes. Who's on the computer? <laughs> I need to make a phone call. <laughs> Hold on, I got to disconnect. Mom can make her phone call. Can I get back on the computer now? <laughs> man, the Stone Ages were definitely a, an era, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, the, the Dark Ages. I can't, <laughs> I can't even fathom it now. Okay, so they get the message from the Oracle. Okay. And... Um, immediately they go and tell Neo and Morpheus and all that, and they get ready to leave. The message is just coordinates on where to meet her. Mm-hmm. Um, so they need to get back into the matrix and go meet her. Bane actually shows up right as Neo, Morpheus and Trinity and Link are about to leave. Mm-hmm. You don't know right away. I mean, we know because we're the audience, but they don't know that Smith is in Bane. Is in Bane. Yeah. Which sounds inappropriate to even say, because I said that out loud when I was writing my review. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Things sound different when you say them out loud. <laughs> Smith was inside Bane. The whole time. The whole, the whole movie. <laughs> For at least an hour and 40 minutes of this movie, Smith was inside Bane. <laughs> Sorry, Bane. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's obvious that he's got some uh, issues he needs to sort out. Mm-hmm. And I think the overarching um, thing with Bane and Smith being in his brain, he wants out. Yeah. He's, he feels trapped by um, this physical presence that he's in. And he even like, he says a lot of things about humanity in the first movie. He's, yeah. You guys are a virus. You're a disease, a, a plague. So he probably does not enjoy being in Bane's head. <laughs> um, I like how you added head. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get more specific now. Um, <laughs> he's got a knife and he's like cutting his hand open. Mm. Yeah. Like self mutilation. Yeah. Like I need out of this fleshy body. And also enjoying that he's hurting a human body. Like mm-hmm. he's Smith's got some real issues, mm-hmm. but yeah, he, uh, he's hurting himself and he is about to sneak up behind Neo as he's leaving. And I, I think he was going to try to t- try to attack him. Um, and then somebody else gets his attention and he has to turn around real quick. And it's like, I was just going to wish you good luck. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> the, the kid is what they refer to him as. Yeah, that's right. Which he's actually to understand him. Why he even pops up is to watch the animatrix mm-hmm. of the kid who logs out because he's talking to Neo through a computer. Right. He's he, that's him that's in the him. anime. Okay. Yeah. Um, again, you have to like consume other media to understand this media, mm-hmm. which is a little weird. <laughs> um, before that, uh, just a tiny note on counselor Hammond and Neo have a conversation. Yeah. Neo can't sleep him and takes him down to the um, engineering. I felt like when I was young, I didn't understand it. I felt like it was just padding. I was like, Oh, just more talking. Cause at this point in the movie, you're introduced to a fight scene. So now things get kind of boring. It's very political. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize the importance of this scene until now older Hammond explaining to Neo. Cause Neo's talking about control. And he's like, well, this is easy. We're in control because Hammond's showing all these machines that are keeping Zion running. Right. And Hammond's like, well, we kind of need these machines. And he's like, yeah, but you're in control. You can shut them down anytime. And Hammond's like, well, I mean, that's a valid statement. 
but and then he brings this nuance that I really liked. He's like, but if we shut down the machines, the lights, the oxygen, then what happens to us? Mm-hmm. So inherently we are still connected. We are still dependent on one another, us and machines. Mm-hmm. And it was just very, this nuance, this um, uh, Neo's uh, naivete to, <laughs> to, cause for Neo, it's just kind of like um, just a hammer and nails, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, I see a problem. I just hammer it with my Neo powers mm-hmm. and Hammond bringing this, a uh, more eloquent look about our relationship with machines. Not everything is a nail. Yeah. yeah. And Neo doesn't really take any of that for the rest of the movie or the sequel, but it, <laughs> it was just nice as an adult. I, I like that nuance. Neo's just a well-meaning idiot <laughs> as the hosts of the show. <laughs> and as we're discovering potentially Chris Pratt, <laughs> but that's an issue for our personal lives. <laughs> we'll bring that up another day. Yeah. Uh, okay, so they go to find the Oracle, right? You said the coordinates? Yep. Um, Bane shows up, mm-hmm. the kid, and then they actually go in the Matrix. Right. This leads to one of my favorite scenes, the tea house. Mm, scene. Serif. Serif. Mm-hmm. So cool. Originally, it was supposed to be played by Jet Li. Really? They wrote this scene for Jet Li. Then they asked <laughs> Jet Li to come do the movie. This piece of information made me dislike Jet Li some more. Well, dislike Jet Li some. Mm-hmm. Jet Li said, okay, I'll do this movie, but you have to pay me the same as your leading role, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> and the Wachowskis are like, what? You're just in, like, you're just a, a, a supporting character. You're going to have, like, five minutes of screen time. Heck yeah. No. <laughs> and Jet Li, for some reason, was like, no, you're paying me the same money as Keanu Reeves. Wow. Else. Okay. And so they were like, well, we have so much of a budget. Because, again, this is 2003. The Matrix, obviously, is going to get a lot of funding from Warner Brothers. Yeah. But it's not going to get, like, what we're looking at nowadays when Warner Brothers wants to throw cash at a project. Mm-hmm. So... Excuse me, Wachowski's rightfully so said, screw you. Got another guy who looks kind of like Jet Li. He kind of does, yeah. I saw it as a kid and I was like, oh my God, is that Jet Li? That's not Jet Li, but he's really cool too. <laughs> Seraph, the tea house fight scene, mm-hmm. the uh, the Japanese drums playing in the background, Don Davis again, like the orchestral score of, uh, we'll get in the sounds as soon as we can, <laughs> but it is just all these fight scenes have incredible, they each have their own piece of music right. and iconic scene. Uh, they finish what well, they, they it's a stalemate. Mm-hmm. So we're questioning if Seraph is actually maybe as powerful as Neo. Yeah, Seraph just stops him. He's like, huh. Oh yes, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> you don't really know someone until you fight them. Mm-hmm. And uh my friend Mark, who me and him got in fisticuffs when we were kids and now really good friends. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You don't know another man until you exhaustively beat the shit out of him and as you walk away with the shit beat out of you. <laughs> Good to know. I'll yeah. remember that. <laughs> yeah, we haven't ever had fisticuffs, but for the quality of the show, we're going to have to fight one of these days. All right. I don't know you well enough. <laughs> <laughs> Want to get to know me better? You're going to have to fight me. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to try to punch me in the face. Uh, okay, so then um, Neo meets. Uh, well, the the fight was a test to make sure that it's Neo, right? Which is a bizarre way of testing. <laughs> you could have just asked. <laughs> no, <laughs> you do not know. You do not truly know someone until you fight them. Says discount Jet Li. Mm-hmm. And then they walk off to uh, meet the Oracle. This is the first time we see them go through a door and into like the the hallway, like mm-hmm. the back doors, right? In a right. computer system. Mm-hmm. Meets Oracle in this kind of like a New York type uh, to like where like apartments have like their own shared square. It's like a West Side Story park. Oh, good point. Because it's not Central Park. <laughs> it's a concrete park. It's a, it's a middle park. <laughs> So they meet at iconic middle park <laughs> where the Oracle uh, bless her soul shows up and continues to be confusing. Yes. 
Still, everything she said was confusing and really didn't hold a lot of meaning. It was she was just talking in riddles, and I think that's part of it. Like she's she's the oracle. That's what she does. She kind right. of talks in riddles and doesn't really have a um, set point, I guess, that she's trying to make. She's mm-hmm. kind of leaving it for you to figure out. Um, she only makes clear that they need the key maker mm-hmm. and they need to find the, one of the original big bads, the Merovingian. Right. That's it. Everything else is riddles. She does have an interesting thing to say about programs though, like, mm. um, rogue programs. Yeah. Um, she was saying things I'm paraphrasing, but basically you see evidence of programs going wrong all the time. Mm. Things like uh, when people talk about ghost stories, yes. alien invasions or uh, alien abductions or whatever she says, things that are not um, practically credible yeah. in, in our universe. It's the result of a program not doing what it's programmed to do mm. and the matrix assimilating that program. Oh, okay. So that's <clears throat> the only thing aside from the specific instructions about the keymaker that she made that she said that actually made any sense. That was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Give us a little bit of real providing world lore. An, yeah, providing an explanation for how the matrix handles rogue programs and what that looks like to us. It's kind of like a bridge, right? Mm-hmm. When a bridge is built properly, you don't even notice. You just drive across a bridge and you're done. Mm-hmm. But man, if a bridge is not working properly, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there are some obvious <laughs> That something has gone wrong here. <laughs> there's like a there's a bridge. I think it's on this side of the st- or in Washington State, but it was a bridge it built a long time ago that couldn't withstand wind forces. So it's like constantly they they it 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 fell down and then they rebuilt it. Oh, good. The right way. That's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd be worried if it was still out there. <laughs> Just a man sitting on a bridge and it's waving along in the yeah. wind. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, she's confusing, and I, I blame Morpheus, but then I realized Morpheus got his logic mm-hmm. from the school of the Oracle, because that's how the Morpheus talks, too. Yep. I don't. You don't need to believe what I'm telling you. I'm just telling you what it is. Because <laughs> Neo's like, how can I trust you? And the, the Oracle's like, you can't. <laughs> I'm just another program. <laughs> I'm just letting you know what you need to know. What you do with that is upon your own. Uh-huh. <clears throat> that is the first sign that when you get um, a counselor like that, that's that's when you need to get a new counselor because when your counselor is kind of like giving you advice but not wanting to take responsibility for like the mass shooting that would eventually end up being you committing it, mm-hmm. that's a bad counselor. <laughs> get a counselor who's a little bit more concrete. <laughs> so, and she 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 technically lied to him because in the first movie she's like you're not the one you're not ready. However you want to interpret that. So, but but Morpheus followed that up with she told you whatever you needed to hear. Which is just a frustrating mind fuck. It is. It really is. It doesn't make any sense. It would have made it would have made it way easier to just tell him the truth. But but yeah, she ultimately I think that did play into him becoming the one was he didn't believe it and he had to find out for himself. I think teenage me thought this movie was way smarter. Mm-hmm. And adult me is kind of like all these people like the people in the Matrix, adult me realizes that they're all people who went to philosophy one oh one. And then just, that was it. They stopped at that and then like picked up, I don't know, woodworking or something. And then took a lot of PE and never took philosophy ever again. I know Kung Fu. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. (laughs) And arts and crafts. All these people I've met in a Trader Joe's. Oh my God. Every single last one of them have been in a Trader Joe's. And they've all told me how good the ramen is. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like looking at me, knowing what I look like. They tell me Trader Wong's ramen is the best ramen in town. 
And that's essentially what matrix philosophy is now in my, in my old age. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So after the oracles, very confusing, but filled with some keynotes. Seraph says it's time to go. They bounce. This introduces Burly Brawl. This was Mm -hmm. one of the coolest fight scenes in the world. Still holds up to this day, although you see Neo's a little bit more rubbery now. Right. Smith shows up. Uh, The tons of them. Well, starts out with just one. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. it eventually overwhelms Neo with how many Smiths there are. (laughs) I have only one beef with this fight, even though I still think it's epic to this day. Mm -hmm. Neo could have just flew out of there and be done. Oh, totally. (laughs) (laughs) Like he just wants to test waters. There's so much logic that could go into any given fight scene in any given movie. (laughs) And there's always an easy out, but there's always this dramatic, um, it, it has to be longer and drawn out and it has to be this big dramatic exit or entrance or whatever. So yeah, Mm. of course he could have just landed a solid punch on the first Smith and booked it out of there. But no, he had to get himself overwhelmed and turn it into a big Hollywood showdown. (laughs) I like that each Smith took their time to fight him Mm -hmm. until at some point their programming realized if we just dogpile him, then that'll work. Right. He still survives and flies off, but um, still one of the coolest fight scenes. I remember this fight scene giving me a sampler of the movie because they played this fight during the Super Bowl commercial of the year before. It was literally like Warner Brothers just dumping marketing magic. And Mm -hmm. I... Literally, best Super Bowl of my life. I was like, oh my God, that's going to come out this summer. Like, oh. You probably don't remember who played. You just remember the trailer. I have no clue who played. <laughs> and you know me. I'm a man who knows all the things to know about sports ball. Oh, yes. All the sports balls. Big sports ball fan. <laughs> uh, the, the, the Denver Black Ravens, big deal team. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is that? Like Louisiana Bears, also one of my favorite baseball teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think those are all right. Yeah. They're they're not right, are they? No. <laughs> not even a little bit. <laughs> I'm not I'm not well versed with my athletics. <laughs> I know Simone Biles broke the Matrix mm, by yes. being so good. Of course. Uh okay, so Burley Brawl, best fight team, music, still incredible. Yep. Oh yeah, uh fun fact, there's a lots of Agent Smith. People always refer to it as hundreds of Agent Smith. Mm-hmm. There was an exactly total count of 80 Agent Smiths on screen. In that scene. At any given time, the maxer was was 80. I mean, obviously some less in some angles when they shoot it, but overall with the CGI added on and the extras, mm-hmm. Neo fought a total of 80 Agent Smiths. Fun fact. Interesting. That's a good fun fact. Yeah. Because you always think hundreds, right? You always think hundreds, thousands. Right. But in reality, 80. Hmm. <laughs> there is a limit to uh, how many gigs of RAM the Matrix can handle at any given time. And 80 is about the max. Capping it at 80 Smiths. <laughs> if so, you can't get it done with 80, I'm sorry. <laughs> we can't do it. There's only 8 gigs of RAM for this processor, okay? <laughs> We're not in a 16 gigs territory. Oh, man. The Matrix is not ran on a gaming computer. I'll tell you that right now. No. Well, it was the early 2000s, so. That was as best as we could do. So after that, they take off to meet the Merovingian for the first time. Who is, uh, and I quote, a complete douche. Right. That's That was the instruction was she needed to go, or she, the Oracle, told Neo to go see the Merovingian. He would let them know where the keymaker was. The keymaker being the critical key mm-hmm. to the next move. But she didn't explain what the keymaker would do. Right. No, just that they needed to find him. And so we meet the Merovingian. He's really cool. Monica Bellucci's right next to him. Mm-hmm. Famous Italian actress. Um, how they got her in this movie, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, Monica Bellucci is a stunning individual. 
and she has to play second fiddle to the Merovingian. <laughs> and but she actually has a very critical role. Mm. The Merovingian is this arrogant jerk who, in my notes, made the orgasm cake, <laughs> fed it to another woman in front of his significant other to show how I don't know how douchey he is. He he is he is top level douche. Mm-hmm. This is like a man like you conventionally would like toss your glass of wine onto <laughs> at a date, right? This is the Merovingian. Yep. Oh, and it doesn't hurt that he's French. <laughs> Hello, French listeners. <laughs> Let me know how you feel about the Merovingian. Yes, yes, please. We want to hear. <laughs> I do like his line of uh, cursing in French. It's like wiping your ass with silk, mm. um, which he has a fun line relating to asses in the new, <laughs> the, the new Matrix movie. Right. One of the best lines in the movie, actually. Mm. So he denies them the key maker, sends him packing, mm-hmm. and then... They go in the elevator, and then Morpheus <laughs> does it, does his oracle thing. What happened happened the way it did, and couldn't happen in any other way. How do you know? <laughs> I don't, but I don't. I just believe. He said because we're still alive. Oh yeah, there's that too. <laughs> I didn't hear that part. I just heard <laughs> because I, it's my belief, and that's that. <laughs> I just literally heard the sound of Morpheus dropping out of uh, <laughs> philosophy 101. <laughs> As soon as he said that line, uh, Monica Bellucci meets them again. The Merovingian's wife. She stops them from leaving. Yeah. Then she demands a kiss from Neo and she wants to feel true love's kiss inherently is what the scene is. Yeah. She uh, is upset by how um, arrogant and over the top her husband has become because he didn't used to be that way is what she says. And she wants to feel what love really is again. She says, she tells Neo, I want you to kiss me and I want you to make me believe that I am her and points to Trinity in front of her. Uh huh. Trinity's not having it. <laughs> she was very upset. This scene strikes home for me when I think about like women in the workplace when they're mean to each other. Like this is like peak, like shittiness. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like women are already hard on each other. And then men were pretty shitty to women in general, you know, like as a whole, some of us try really hard not to be, mm. um, <laughs> me learning every day, <laughs> but it's like, it's so catty. I don't know. I mean, I get, I get the scene was written for this whole purpose, but for me now the scene didn't age well. Mm-hmm. I didn't care for it. Not, not even the cattiness between the two, but it's just like, it's true. Love's kiss in a weird way. I can tell that she loves you based on the way that she looks at you. So I want you to kiss me and make me think that I'm her. (laughs) That was a better scene than what I actually saw. (laughs) That was Monica Bellucci, everybody. I wish Monica Bellucci would have just said it like that. Neo, can you just kiss me and make me think that I am Trinity? place i feel bad for her though like don't we all want to feel loved no it's it's true i'm I'm just making fun of her but um you can't make fun of monica bellucci i'm so sorry she, she is a, a key <laughs> i st- is like keystone piece of italian filmmaking but you know what i'm trying to say i she, also can't name any film she's been in <laughs> That's yeah way to go <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, classic italian actress i know there what are other else? movies what else has in? she been in <laughs> The Matrix Reloaded. Oh, man. She's also in the third one for a moment. Right. Um, So, yes, he does kiss her. Mm. And at first, he's not into it. And she's like, whatever. And I'm just going to leave then. And he gives it a second chance. And she, I don't know if she really believes it, but she, like, the look on her face makes everybody think, okay, maybe she believes at that time. He actually put in the effort. You know what the difference was? What? Taking off the sunglasses. Oh, yeah, that was it. That's, like, that's key. Like... (laughs) When I kiss Tara, I have to take my glasses off. And then I, I end up kissing her forehead because I can't see without my glasses. 
So Neo, Neo does the the classic Dylan move of taking off his glasses. Get these glasses out of the way. <laughs> Which he he only sees code now, like right. So and it's bright. So the explanation of the sunglasses is to like. Uh, bring down the glare. Mm-hmm. So I think that scene, it was like he was just staring into like white light. You know what I mean? <laughs> Monica Bellici's character is all code. Right. Uh, the, the kiss happens mm-hmm. and then she's like, come on, I'll take you to the key maker. Mm-hmm. There's this weird exposition where she's talking to two guys that are werewolves and there's a movie playing in the background. It's like a classic, like a uh, universal monsters mm-hmm. movie. And then she alludes that these two guys are werewolves. They're their ancient parts of the matrix. And they're mm-hmm. also rogue programs. Cause that's what the Mary Vingen hires, which is exactly what the Oracle was saying. Yes. So war- werewolves, aliens, vampires, things that are not actually real. Mm. They're, they're programs that have gone rogue and are being assimilated by the metri- by the matrix. So we're, we're introduced to that for a quick second. Mm-hmm. And that literally that scene was just for plot exposition of the fact that to acknowledge Oracle things real. Right. Cause then she just shoots those two guys. So that was, <laughs> that would be my kind of role in a movie or bring me on for two seconds. So I can look like an idiot. And then you shoot me in the head. Yay. Easy check. <laughs> <laughs> so they get to the key maker mm-hmm. and uh, he is like this tiny little Asian guy. He is like, uh, what is that? Karate kid. Mr. Miyagi type. Mr. Miyagi, yeah. Yeah. You just, I mean, I discount Mr. Miyagi right there. I was like, oh, obviously the key maker has got to be an Asian guy. In a room full of keys. Like, it <laughs> looks like a booth from Ace Hardware where you go to get a key copied, but the entire aisle is just keys hanging from every peg <laughs> in the aisle. That That's what it looks like when they open the door. <laughs> and he's got his little key grinding machine just, just making more keys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just, just making keys. I like that the Matrix was subtle and everything in the first movie, mm-hmm. and the second movie, it's like hardcore obvious. Look at all the keys. Like, this guy must be the key maker. <laughs> I feel like they could have done better if somebody actually opened their mouth and said, "Are you the key maker?" <laughs> that would have really topped the cherry. And a sarcastic, "No, why? <laughs> what makes you think that? Are you the guy that kissed Monica Bellucci?" <laughs> Uh, they get the key maker mm-hmm. and they, uh, this starts a whole conflict, right? Right. The Merovingian shows up and he's upset that his wife led them to the key maker. <laughs> I don't see. Uh, yeah. Like the fact that he's confused because mm-hmm. he's like, woman, it's all a game. And she's like, well, it's a game. <laughs> it's like, I don't He's so dumb. Like mm-hmm. the Merovingian. I mean, yeah, he's this big bad, but it's like you treat a woman bad. What do you expect? Yeah. Like you literally gave the oat cake to another woman at the table, bragged how brilliant you are. And then it alludes to him going to have uh, adult relations with that woman in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Cause Monica Bellucci sends one of the bad guys. She's like, go tell my husband he's in the second floor bathroom or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, this introduces another cool fight scene, Neo flying around and um, fighting with these ancient, these are the ancients, right? These are the, the, they're like vampires. Like one of them had like vampire teeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, first time we see Neo block the bullets. This has been like, windows laptop wallpaper for many many people <laughs> of that era of all the bullets uh, neo's hand holding up mm-hmm. uh, very cool they introduce two of the merovingians bad guys the ghost twins yes the ones that can like go in and out of corporeal form those guys are creepy very creepy are um, they played by the same actor or are they actually twins they are actually twins in real life nice they're like australian twins yeah and you know i do them the honor of looking up who they were but i didn't because <laughs> That's how I treat people. <laughs> They're not in the first 15 credits on the... Uh, 
Also, IMDb. So IMDb I don't know also did Caravan. Nope. <laughs> Sorry, twins. I think the twins from Harry Potter got more love than these two, the ghost twins. Oh, of course they did. Fred and George are awesome. <laughs> Do you think we're Fred and George? I think we're Fred and George. We could be Fred and George. I feel. I feel like I'm Malfoy though. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I want to be good, but I'm always struggling because the world tells me I need to be bad. Right. And then obviously somebody else had to come in the last minute and kill Dumbledore for me. <laughs> oh, spoilers. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I, my one note about the ghost twins is they wasted a chance to have Neo face off with the ghost twins. Cause literally the ghost twins are very admirable adversaries. Right. And they don't get the Neo just beats up the henchmen. And then yeah. Neo off. stays in the main room with the other bad guys and the twins chase after the Keymaker and Morpheus and Trinity. And then they make a uh, getaway scene. Mm -hmm. This goes to the iconic highway scene. Right. And uh, this whole scene is sponsored by GM. (laughs) I just want that to be clear. And I I, I said an accident. I said 800. I was incorrect. 300. GM donated 300 of their own cars. And that's why you see Oldsmobiles uh, and Cadillac being the primary. This was like a showcase. for. They use the scene with the the Cadillac CTSV that they jump out of the parking garage in. Mm They use that as a Cadillac commercial, a snippet of it, too, to introduce people <laughs> to why they should buy the CTSV, because it's good to get away from the Merovingian. Oh, my gosh. Uh, they're also being chased by a Cadillac Escalade. The twins, yep. Yep, the twins, the ghost twins. Um, the highway scene, I'll give you some fun facts later at the end, but one of the most iconic scenes in the world. Mm-hmm. They It ends up <laughs> more Ducati. A the, truck full of Ducatis. Uh, yes. <laughs> I don't think... Were there any other motorcycles? There were only Ducatis. They were only Ducatis. And there were only 996s, too. It was like Ducati really wanted you to buy a 996 <laughs> for either terrorist reasons or whatever. They couldn't care what you did with them. Getting away on the freeway. Yeah. You want to get away from bad guys? Ducati, 996. <laughs> but that that was pretty much, I mean, uh, 996 CCs. I mean, we're, we're approaching this territory where... Because, what, 2003, the Suzuki Hayabusa came mm-hmm. out. That was like the, the beginning of the hyper bikes, right? Yeah. Like the one liter bikes. I mean, you're a bigger bike guy than I am. Love but it. That, that territory was like when we start introducing like dangerously fast, incredibly cool two-wheeled machines. Right. So that, that was an exciting time for Ducati. Mm-hmm. It revolves into this massive, besides chase, but fight scene on top of a semi and stuff for Morpheus protecting the key maker. I'll note one of my favorite flaws of this film. There's a scene where Morpheus has a samurai sword really cool duking it out mm-hmm. he has to catch the key maker while trinity's on the bike delivering the the key maker to morpheus mm-hmm. he stabs the sword really low in the semi truck to use it as a, a platform to stand on right to catch the key maker and throw him on top of the semi but later on when he's fighting the agent and he needs to lean over and reach for the sword the sword is stuck in a higher position for morpheus to grab oh a goof yeah a goof like literally <laughs> How low he stuck the sword, he could have not possibly reached mm-hmm. uh, moments ago. So that, that's every time I see Morpheus reach for the sword, I'm like, that wasn't supposed to be there. <laughs> Hollywood helped you, Morpheus. Or the Matrix did. Mm. Oh. I believe what I need to believe in. I don't need you to believe, but I believe it. Ergo, I'm right. I believe what I believe, and that's what I believe. And that's why the sword is up higher. <laughs> uh, the, the semis crash together and explode. Neo comes out of nowhere because he's Superman. Saves the day just in time. Saves the day. Oh, and Neo was still stuck at the Merovingian's place, but by the time he opens the door, he's in the mountains. Oh, right. But you Link, really, where am I? <laughs> you really capitalized on that scene. You really enjoyed that. Link, where am I? You're in the mountains. Really? <laughs> that answered all of my questions. Done. Thank you so much. Credits. <laughs> 
die. Matrix Reloaded. He, he tells him that uh, Neo and, or not Neo, uh, Morpheus and Trinity are in the city, something like 500 miles south or something like that. He, he I don't remember the number, but hundreds of miles south. And yeah. so Neo just flies, just immediately. Just leaves. Superman's yep. his way out. Mm-hmm. And um, but yeah, he, he makes it to the, the freeway just in time to snatch um, Neo not Neo snatches Morpheus and the Keymaker off the top of the trucks, right? Mm. As they're colliding with each other and link does the, yes, <laughs> holds his fist in the air. Major, oh <laughs> major sci-fi scene. Mm-hmm. And and I think yeah, you nailed the, you mentioned link jumping up in the chair. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause he's like totally exhausted at this point of seeing all this crazy stuff happen. Oh yeah. He's trying to find an exit for them and trying to guide their route onto the freeway. Yeah. Morpheus is like, Oh boy, the freeway and Trinity's like, you told me never to go on the freeway. It's suicide. <laughs> I think Link represents us as the audience. Cause like at that point, like your mind is so, there's so many things going on. Oh yeah. He's just watching everything happen and unfold in front of him. Watching the matrix feed. <laughs> I would be exhausted mm-hmm. as Link. Um, my notes are freeway chasing. is awesome. And it's still to this day is still really cool. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of faults because there's an Oldsmobile Olero that constantly pops up in every shot and a Pontiac um, um, GTO. No, not a GTO, the van. It's, it's, oh, it's like okay. a Pontiac. I forgot what the name of it. What was it that Niobe was driving? Was it a Camaro? Yes. Okay. And Niobe, uh, you, I'm glad you mentioned that Niobe and ghost. Mm-hmm. There was a game called enter the matrix. And as you play the game, you actually are fighting your way onto the freeway to get up to Morpheus. So it was a, a moment of mixed, mixed media where if you ah. played the video game, one of your, one of the scenes in the game is fighting your way on the freeway and fighting mm-hmm. agents to get up to catch Morpheus's fall. Um, they, they have a, the, the game is actually really well done surprisingly for a mixed media thing where, you know, they, they make a game and it's really crappy, right? It was actually really good. Nice. Okay. So at this point they have this weird meeting with the key maker, mm-hmm. which it looks like their meeting is in the same room that Morpheus introduced Neo to, right the chair it's very reminiscent of that when they're yeah yeah the first meeting from the from the beginning of the movie but yeah they're they're meeting with niobe the other captain i don't remember his name yeah there's one other captain Mm -hmm. and then morpheus's crew right and they're all talking to the keymaker about how to how to get to the room or the the building the source right i think they do refer neo needs to get to the source Mm -hmm. to end the war right is what neo is sold Mm mm-hmm and this building is a everyday looking building, but it has a, has it has a secret floor on it. Yeah. That no elevator can get to and no stairway can reach. <laughs> this is where it starts getting kind of like philosophy one-on-one again. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Where they get a little bit like head up, butt. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool. And so there has to be this full execution of synchronized teamwork to mm-hmm. disable the power plant, the power grid, all this jazz. And Morpheus sees it as divine providence that Niobe and the other captain were sent there to go get Morpheus. Yeah. Because it was three things that needed to happen all at the same time. And they had three teams right there. So he's like, I see this as not a mere coincidence, but this is fate. Three teams, three objectives. We're here for a reason. Good old Oracle or Oracle Morpheus. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) If there's any guy that can sell me into a conspiracy, it's not Morpheus. It's Mr. Moracle. (laughs) (laughs) Moracle or Orpheus. I don't know. (laughs) Orpheus sounds really close to Orpheus. Shoot. So I'm going to go with Orpheus. (laughs) Take that in your Orpheus, you fool. (laughs) 
<laughs> brought that one on myself. You did. <laughs> okay, Moracle. I like Moracle. That's good. Because yeah. it sounds like a pretentious monocle, mm-hmm. and I can get the relation of that. There we go. Uh, <laughs> they execute this plan almost flawlessly, but one team dies. This moment, Neo has been having these visions of Trinity dying, mm-hmm. which potentially kept him from having an orgasm. Whatever, right? <laughs> I can't get off that because it's really weird why he thinks about that in their moment of lovemaking. Mm-hmm. But Neo, before they go back in for this epic grand mission, right. this heist or opposite heist, because they need to put him in a room. Right. He tells Trinity, hey, whatever we do, if you can do one thing for me. Make me a promise. Don't go in the Matrix. And she agrees to it because mm-hmm. uh, she loves him. Bless her soul the one team fails. So Trinity has to go in mm-hmm. and fail she, right before they were able to complete their objective. So she has to go in and pick up where they left off. And this is exactly unfolds what we see in the beginning of the dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trinity crashes a bike into the <laughs> clock tower, commits Ducati terrorism, <laughs> <laughs> kills uh, blue collar workers, which I, I know it's silly and it probably wasn't even meant to really showcase anything significant, mm-hmm. but I like the line that the two security guards exchange right before Trinity shows up. Oh, and the, the, the one guard is clocking out and he says to the other guy who must've just started and he's sitting in the chair kind of reclined with his feet up watching the computer screens. The guy clocking out says, Hey, you can count sheep at home. And the other guy in the chair is like, why? I get paid to count them here. (laughs) You know, I don't blame him. If I had to be a midnight security guard, lots of break-ins would happen. (laughs) Yes, I'm saying don't hire me to be your security guard, but two, shit's boring. Yeah. Yeah. Humans, we're not not meant to sit there and keep guard. Right. I I just thought that was funny. (laughs) Worth mentioning. I like that um, they don't leave uh, <laughs> the guards, mm-hmm. especially the one that clocked off. If I was clocking off my job and about to drive away and then that shit went down and Ducati blew up the booth, I'd probably go leave further. Like I would get away from right. what's going Just on. Just take a peek in the rear view mirror. Not my circus, not my monkeys. Yep, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll have tomorrow off. <laughs> <laughs> that, that may speak to how selfish I am. but <laughs> Get an email from your supervisor. So... There's no building. Um, really, this is brand new information. Strange, because I could have sworn it was standing when I left work. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess a day off's a day off. Yep. Uh, so Trinity executes the whole plan, uh, does her part to help allow Neo to go in the room. Mm-hmm. And then is ambushed by the agents. And is ambushed by the agents, but you don't get to see that because it cuts to Neo mm-hmm. in the room. One of the most iconic scenes I remember as a child because I could not fucking understand what the hell was going on. Neo is in a room, multiple monitors, what appears to be Colonel Sanders across the way from him. Colonel Sanders. Yes, of KFC. (laughs) And this tells me everything I need to know about modern consumerism is at the end of the day, Happy Foods Co. or whatever owns all of us. (laughs) Because the person running the Matrix is literally Colonel Sanders. Fun fact... It was supposed to be Sean Connery <laughs> to play Colonel Sanders. Ah, oh, Neo, you yeah. see you're in the Matrix. <laughs> so you think you know everything. <laughs> Look at this piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> That's my only Sean Connery impression is to say piece of paper. Piece of paper. <laughs> That's it. You say piece of paper like that? That's Sean Connery. That's all you need to do a Sean Connery impression. It was supposed to be Sean Connery in the role. 
But Sean, when they gave Sean Connery the script and stuff for The Matrix, he w- he didn't agree to it because he didn't understand it. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Show you, you and me both, John. <laughs> <laughs> so who is this guy? What's he supposed to be? Who's the one? <laughs> so I'm machine, and I'm supposed to tell him that he's the one <laughs> five times. <laughs> but what about this time? <laughs> Well, well, no, Sean. Like, um, you're you're the architect. You're you're the man that made the matrix. You you are the sole program. Sean, am I a man or a machine? Well, you're a machine, but in the machine world, you you look like Colonel Sanders. I don't even like chicken that much. <laughs> no, Sean, it's it's not about chicken. He just looks like Colonel Sanders. So I I told you I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> Fuck it, we'll just get somebody else. Thanks, Sean. Oh my gosh, that's funny to think about. Could have been Sean Connery. Yeah, I had no idea. That's funny. I love that they kind of mock him too, because he looks kind of like Sean Connery, right? Yeah, and Colonel Sanders. Mm-hmm. And so this, there's a very convoluted conversation, but inherently, there's been five Matrixes. There's been five Neos. Neo is an anomaly. This, something you touched upon, right? This architect is kind of explaining the history of the Matrix to him and letting him know you're number six out of this long line of iterations that keep failing. And you're and, not special. Mm, you're just another another rehash of this. Right. Inevitably, an anomaly will rise up and we have to quell it. Mm-hmm. And at that point, we just have you come here, select 23 people, 17 women and six men. <laughs> <laughs> Had to do the math for a second. That'd be a tough. Could you imagine being one of the 23 and then having to share like your significant other? Yeah. That'd be fucking weird. I'd be like, <laughs> you put me back in the matrix. I don't know why you fuckers pulled me out for this. Uh, it's good for swingers, but it's not good for me. I'm too selfish. I can't share my partner. Yeah. And he tells him that he has to do the same thing. He has to make a choice. And there's that whole illusion of choice thing again. Mm. Um, You choose either to end the war. Everything starts over. Zion is ended and rebuilt. The door to your right. Mm -hmm. Or you go left to save your Trinity. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which prior to this, every other Neo, the last five have just went to the door on the right. Right. Because they were motivated by an overall sense of duty and saving the human race as a whole. But Neo just happens to be particularly specifically devoted to one person, Mm. which it's weird because it's (laughs) the young version of me read this as how poetic and loving Neo Mm -hmm. is, but the adult version is kind of like, like, I don't, I don't know if this is kind of selfish like hundreds of millions of people life on the line and mm-hmm. you and your boo thing. <laughs> that's a, that's a weird one to, to juggle. Right. But Neo makes the choice says toodles to Colonel Sanders. Mm-hmm. He says, if I see you again, let's you better hope. You, you better hope we don't meet again. Yeah. And he says, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Colonel Sanders. Um, the, the whole Colonel Sanders thing started as a joke. And you mentioned this after we reviewed the first one. Yeah. Because we were talking about the second one kind of preemptively. Do you remember what you were going to say? I do not. If you don't, I'll share it. Oh, yes. Okay. So Dylan came up with this great uh, little inside story for The Matrix. <laughs> oh, that's right. Now you remind me. I love this. Yes. Mouse, go mouse and the goop. <laughs> the, the protein goop. <laughs> And he's talking about tasty wheat in the first movie and how, what do we, how do we know what tasty wheat really tastes like? And do the machines know? Is it just ones and zeros? Are they just feeding us what they think chicken (laughs) tastes like? Because, and that's why everything tastes like chicken. Yep. Colonel Sanders. That's why everything tastes like chicken. (laughs) That deserves an applause. 
That deserves an applause. Conspiracy confirmed. Everything tastes like chicken because Colonel Sanders runs the Matrix. <laughs> I forgot all about that. But I'm very proud that you brought that up. Bringing it all together. So oh, that's the man. deeper connection of the Matrix. Mm-hmm. So if it? you remember that bit between Neo and Mouse from the first movie, that's why everything tastes like chicken. You are paid off. <laughs> this this is the moment. <laughs> Reap your reward, fellow fellow listener. <laughs> oh man. Uh, Neo leaves to save Trinity. Makes his a uh, super awesome mega flight again. He because mm-hmm. he's like at a very large distance from Trinity. Right. This is the moment Trinity's falling through the 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 skyscraper or mm-hmm. falling from the skyscraper and gets shot by the agent. Gets shot by the agent. Neo flies like all hell to get to her. Link. He's going so fast. Link can't identify him. He knows that there's something coming towards Trinity, but he doesn't know what it is. Which is annoying to me because at this <laughs> point, come on, Link, like. He's rippling the matrix in such a way, just yeah. doing his Superman thing so hard. <laughs> and he already did it when he was at the mountains right. to fly to save Morpheus and the Keymaker. Mm-hmm. Neo did this once. Like you already saw the original movie. Like you're just watching the sequel. Mm-hmm. You're you're gonna like Link, it's it's who else could it be? <laughs> like at what point? It, it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it'd be much more interesting if it turns out that Colonel Sanders was the one flying really fast oh my gosh. to save Trinity and prevent Neo from fulfilling his destiny. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but Link being <laughs> confused about what's flying really fast. Um, uh, not cinematically, but CGI wise, mm-hmm. Neo did it first before Superman, man of steel, mm-hmm. the flying super fast and like ripping this, um, this sound like shockwave that's picking up cars and stuff mm-hmm. and him like hitting, like, I mean, just breaking the sound barrier. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That was very cool to this day. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, catches Trinity. We before we saw the dream. The a- agent. Uh, well, we saw something crash through the car at the bottom, and it was supposed to be Trinity. Yeah, it turns out it's the agent. Mm-hmm. And then Neo saves Trinity. Uh, some weird, weird stuff's going on now. Neo lands on a rooftop, proceeds to digitally remove a bullet, and then jumpstart her heart to save her and bring her back to life. I, I mean, it looks consensual. So <laughs> I mean, reaching inside your partner to jumpstart their heart—very cool stuff. I don't know how to take that scene still. It's just really weird because the CG doesn't really feel too tight. The CG was like making it look like what Neo sees the whole um, matrix feed. Yeah. Everything's green and all the numbers falling down the screen. I did think it was weird, but it fit the story. He was, he was trying to use the powers that he's got to bring her back. So, yeah. so it, it made sense in that way, but it, it was a little strange. It, the scene, I, I guess it just feels dated. Yeah. Like the CG didn't really like everything kind of held up besides that one weird scene where he, he's reaching in and like, you can kind of see like the hand doesn't really line up. Mm-hmm. There's just something that I feel like nowadays, obviously we have the tech, it'd be much more polished. Uh, but seeing it again, made me giggle. I was like <laughs> 2003. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, uh, my one fun note about that is, um, Neo saves Trinity, removes bullet, and starts her heart, setting ridiculous boyfriend standards for everyone after 2003. <laughs> the bar has been set, yes. and it is too high. <laughs> if you cannot reach in and remove a bullet and jumpstart the, the love of your life, you're a fucking loser. <laughs> so thanks a lot, Neo. <laughs> Way to go. That's just great. Uh, Neo and Trinity, obviously Trinity lives, goes back into the real world. He confronts Morpheus. Mm-hmm. Everything has been a lie because the architect has revealed the the grand scheme. Right. And I mean, you were giggling about this. Morpheus doesn't like it one bit. Nope. He's got a very pouty look on his face. I don't believe that. <laughs> 
This is the man that in the beginning of the movie was like, I believe what I do believe, and you don't have to believe what I believe, but I'll believe it nonetheless. Morpheus, the one is a lie. I don't believe that. <laughs> the system of control is still built in to the fact that Neo exists. Mm-hmm. Neo is a part of that system as well. And you said it yourself. How can the prophecy be fulfilled if the war hasn't ended? There's mm. still a war going on. The machines are still out to destroy all the humans and Zion. So it tracks <laughs> what, what he's what he's saying makes sense. Like you got to believe Neo up at this point, right? And he's just been told by the architect of the Matrix that he's just part of the system. He's a anomaly that was inevitable and bound to happen and they knew that it was coming and they knew how to end it and they're increasingly good at it is what he ends the conversation with the hammer shows up uh, mm-hmm. after neo confronts morpheus well right before the hammer shows oh, up yeah so up. the yeah. sentinels trigger the proximity alert because they're already out of the matrix they're there talking inside the ship mm. and then they get the warning that there's sentinels just outside of their emp zone mm. and they send in that little nuke bug oh yeah because the the nuke bug is the sentinel's way of destroying the the from a distance without being shut down with their emp yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay so they send the nuke bug and neo can sense it and this is a new feeling for him he's sensing things outside of the matrix Mm. as if he was still in the matrix right he's fully connected in a weird way Mm -hmm. and he tells them it's a bomb we got to get off the ship so they gather up their stuff they get off the ship and right as soon as they do that's when it blows up and the little nuke bug just blows up the ship. And the Nebuchadnezzar blows up Mm -hmm. and there's a really cool thing uh, you were telling me earlier, which I'll let you share. Yes. Uh, Morpheus says, um, I have dreamed a dream and now that dream is gone from me, which he's paraphrasing a uh, reference from the Bible. Mm. Uh, Daniel book of Daniel chapter two, verse three. And what that says is the king Nebuchadnezzar, whom the ship is named after, Mm. says to his uh, court, I've had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. And what happened was he had this dream turned out to be interpreted as this dream that he had was the foretold coming of the destruction of Babylon. Mm. So I'm not exactly sure how and why that the Wachowskis and all that, they decided to put that in there. But the destruction of his ship, he was obviously Morpheus knew who Nebuchadnezzar was. And Mm -hmm. he attributed that line to the destruction of his ship as this is my ship, my livelihood, my city, Mm -hmm. everything of mine was just destroyed. Yeah. And now I cannot see it anymore. (laughs) Yep. That's so interesting because you do see the biblic references, Neo one, Mm -hmm. the one Trinity, the, the Trinity, the, the Holy Trinity. Yeah. Um, Morpheus. I think Morpheus is actually a real, correct me but i could have sworn morpheus was not not a not a biblical figure but a um <clears throat> philosophy type i think you're correct like greek um philosopher kind of thing yes cuz it's not a biblical reference for for his name no yeah but like there's the the Neb- the ship the nebuchadnezzar like mm-hmm. there's all these references to to certain things they're not just randomly picked names mm-hmm. like everyone has a they they take a lot from biblical stuff which i'll share in fun facts mm-hmm. so the Nebuchadnezzar blows up. The then the Sentinels, because they see that the their bug bomb worked, come up to kill uh, the, the the trio. Yep. And this is for the first time we see it. Neo lifts his hands up and can stop. And he pretty much EMPs 
the Sentinels. Right. It was like the same thing he does with the bullets in Inside the Matrix. Yeah. Just holds up his hand and they stop. And literally, this is the first time that we see, like, I, I mean, I remember seeing this and I was like, <gasps> he's even more, like, this is not even his true form. <laughs> <laughs> he's even more powerful. It's not even his final form. Over 9,000. <laughs> yeah. That was definitely a DBZ moment for me. I was like, oh, my God, he's so powerful. Because, you know, like teenage boy hormones and just like, you know, an angst to yep. to become the one. Because we all think we're the one. Of course. <laughs> Sadly mistaken now in my older <laughs> my older age. I don't want to be the one no. also. Mm-hmm. Um, the Neo passes out and then the hammer luckily shows up. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they pick him up, and then it alludes to we haven't seen Smith slash Bane, but the final cut of the, the the final scene of the movie, right? Not since they left Zion. Um. So be, the hammer and the ship captain they save the Neo Trinity and Morpheus, mm-hmm. and that ship captain is telling them that they that Locke Commander Locke had arranged for a um, mission to kind of counteract the team of Sentinels that's digging. Mm. And he says it was going to go great, but somebody triggered an EMP too early and it was a bloodbath. All of the ships went down. The Sentinels caught them before they could do anything and nobody survived except one person. One guy. One guy. And it was our, uh, well, I mean, obviously it's Smith slash Bane. Mm -hmm. Um, And this movie ends and this really chaps my ass because I told you this before. (laughs) The camera pans. This is like literally the final shot of the movie. It shows Neo totally passed out uh, with, you know, diodes connected to him. Mm -hmm. And the camera pans uh, upwards to another body. But the other body, the the face of the person is upside down. Right. And when I first watched this movie, I kind of understood that Bane was Smith. But because you see him for like the beginning and then he disappears for the rest of the movie. Mm -hmm. By this point, so much has happened that you could have just forgotten about Bane and what he looks like. Totally spaced Bane. So, and he's sitting in an asymmetrical, not asymmetrical, <laughs> a symmetrical yeah. uh, position to Neo. So if you're looking at Neo front ways, yeah, Bane's upside down. So, <laughs> and then, the, and then the movie stops, it, it, it lingers on Bane's face for like a half a second and then it disappears. Cuts to black. And then I was, I, I was upset. I was, th- my, my neck hurts. I'm in the theater. I've been looking up for two and a half hours and it's even worse. Cause I'm like at the front row. So I can't see shit. Wait, who was that? Yeah. <laughs> and there's those to be continued. It, it was the weirdest letdown I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. But that, that, uh, that was, uh, oh, we never actually hit the story time button. Oh my gosh. We didn't. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> Uh, yeah. (laughs) Well, that was a story time category where we just go over the movie at a ridiculous detail. Right. And then also not at all. We skip. I like that. We go through certain things and skip other things. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we score now. Now we do this new thing. Yes. Story scoring. Story gets a seven out of 10 for me. Okay. It's not a perfect story. It's a fun, but it's kind of wacky. And I think young me would have gave it like a, maybe a 10 out of 10 because yeah. I was such a fanboy. <laughs> but now as an adult addressing a lot of flaws, mm-hmm. it's a seven. It's a good time, but it's it's confusing. And Colonel Sanders being one of the most critical moments where it's the movie shitting on your head. Like, yeah. it's like, oh, I'm going to make it so complicated. <laughs> you have to watch that scene like three or four times to really get what the architect is saying. Yes, he's very, uh, very wordy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I like that he talks like a machine. Yes, he does. Very analytical. Computer. Very architecture-y. Um, yes, very, very 
not easy to understand, but because he's being so thorough and matter of fact and all that. Yeah. So yeah, very machine esque. Seven out of ten. Yeah, I actually was also going to give it a seven. Ooh, uh, matching for, scores. Yes. Ooh, for, that's, I think that's the first time we've matched in anything. Is it? Usually, we're always slightly off from each other, like just by one. Oh, just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. but that's the first matching. Yeah, uh, for the same reason. Um, good story, good continuation from the first. Definitely does not, as you said, dethrone the original. Mm. Um, it adds to it and complements it greatly. Um, the story tracks well, but it is hard to understand in parts, and there are certain bits that were unnecessary. <laughs> Club <Yeah>. apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, little bits here and there that subtracted a few points for me, but yeah, seven I feel is a good solid score. Okay, so story gets a matching seven. Yeah. Next category is sights and sounds. <laughs> I love love that. That's one probably my favorite button. Right, you doing that because I remember your hand gestures. It was <laughs> that it, was that was fun to make. It, it was. I'd give it the same score as I give the first Matrix a full ten. Like that's that's the shit. Uh, you want to go first? Sights and sounds. Yeah. So as far as visuals go. We've already kind of covered a little bit of it while talking through the story. Mm -hmm. The only point that I wanted to make was the CGI. Yeah. And I didn't think about this at first, but then I realized the reason why the CGI doesn't look as good, it's because they didn't use as much CGI in the first movie. Yeah. Yeah. So they had a lot of practical effects that they used in the first movie. Um, I actually cannot think there, there aren't any scenes that come to mind that are like heavily using cgi other than like when he stops the bullets yeah and when he you first see him fly away from the phone booth um or when he's dodging but like the bullet time but i guess that was still shot in real time oh yeah bullet just time is still practical effects it, it was yeah. very interesting i i still need to see like some of the um uh documentaries and stuff on oh, how the they created the that yeah because yeah. it's very interesting and very cool how they did that um, but that was still practical effects. There wasn't, there was very little animation mm. as, and there was a lot of slow motion in the first movie, all yeah. of that. But in the second movie, you mentioned rubber Neo. <laughs> yeah. There's three rubber Neos in this movie. <laughs> and that's exactly what I was thinking. The CGI looks good mm -hmm. for 2003, but it's obvious. Mm. It's very obvious that it's animation. It looks too smooth. Mm -hmm. It's he has no flaws. There's it's not realistic enough. And he really does look like Gumby Neo. Yeah. <laughs> like when he moves like his his um, his joints, mm -hmm. the way his joints move is it's like there's not as much articulation as what the human body does. Mm -hmm. So it's very like animatronic the way he moves the way he appears on the screen like his face has no features yeah it's it's all just smooth one color yeah like yeah it's it's very obvious especially in um like the fight scenes like yeah. when the, the big smith pile up <laughs> the eight the 80 smith fight the, the 80 smith fight <laughs> um because the same thing happens with smith is there's so many CG components in that scene. Mm -hmm. It's very heavily used and you can really tell yeah. that it's so heavily used. There are various bits and pieces other than that, but that, that was like the main example. Rubber Neo. Yeah. So it looks good for its time, but it didn't age well. Yeah. And it's very obvious how much CG they used. Other than that visual spectacle, very cool movie visually to see the Fight scenes were very well choreographed. Mm. Um, 
the uh, the freeway scene. Mm-hmm. Very cool. The chase, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the cars and all the stunts that they had to do with all that. That was practical effects. The cars mm-hmm. crashing and flipping. Right. They used um, like hydraulic um, jacks that deployed right away to nice. flip the cars. Very cool. And as I said before, GM donated 300 cars to this whole scene. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> and of course they didn't give the only two nice cars are the Cadillac CTSV and the Escalade. Cause the other cars that they donated were <laughs> definitely mediocre, you know, vehicles of their time. Right. <laughs> so yeah. Um, visuals. Awesome. Very yeah. cool. I think really the CGI only subtracts a couple of points for me. Yeah. So I would also give the visuals a seven. Oh, I agree with everything. <clears throat> Even the datedness and the, the, the rubber Neos, I actually give it a nine Oh, because it's not, they didn't detract from the movie so hard, but they actually, I feel in a way enhance certain things like the fight scenes. Um, the Neo fighting the 80 Smiths. Now that we got our facts straight, not unlimited Smiths or <laughs> thousands of Smiths. Um, I feel like it's iconic in its own time. Like when I say burly brawl from the mm-hmm. matrix, everybody like I, well, I, everybody I, knows what you're saying. I hang out with a select group of people. So mm-hmm. obviously, you know, uh, not Ed, that doesn't include everybody, but it, it's just, it's such a good piece that I, I have a hard time. Even the rubberiness. I'm cool with it. The fight scenes, um, get me every time. Every time I see the fight scene in this movie, I go back to the time where my neck was hurting and looking straight up. <laughs> it looked epic in 2d <laughs> because I was only seeing half the screen. Right. But even in uh, its uh, milestone making, yes. of really putting Asian cinema choreography into a mainstream, like uh, United States based project. Yeah. So nine out of 10. Did, cool. I say, did I say nine or did I change my score? You said nine. Okay. I was like, yeah. did I say something lower? I think the only difference that it makes for me is it's just a little distracting. Like yeah. I, I do really like watching the fight scenes and stuff and I agree with everything you're saying. It's just the rubber Neo is just a little distracting there to the point where it's like, I have to push myself past it to see the, the beauty of the fight scenes and all that. You know what? You're actually right. I'm only pulling a Morpheus on this one because I choose to believe and it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter what you believe. I'm going to believe what I need to believe. You don't have to believe what I believe. My, <laughs> yeah. my beliefs do not require you to. I am also right until later we find out that I'm catastrophically wrong. Oh my God. <laughs> Nine out of 10. Uh, so how about sounds? Oh, uh, 10 out of 10 for me. Sounds. Don Davis does what the first matrix does with sound was already kind of influential, Mm -hmm. but the second one, he cranks it up to another thing. As I told you before, the matrix intro sounds of call and response from the first movie to the second movie. And soon, you know, when we reviewed the third movie, Mm -hmm. they change different keys, but it's still each movie has it's like the same intro with a different key, right? Every fight scene has uh, incredible, incredible music. It really enhances the fight scenes. And even the quiet moments when you don't uh, expect a fight scene, like when they come into uh, Zion and like the dum 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 dum, it's just background sounds. Mm-hmm. It makes everything. This movie is actually more of a audio masterpiece than a visual masterpiece, surprisingly to me. I agree. So, yeah, I wasn't going to give it a 10. I was going to give it a nine, um, <laughs> but I do agree with everything you're saying. I believe what I'm going to believe Carter. <laughs> your beliefs do not require me to a pointless <laughs> argument. You can't even talk to me. I just refute what you say with by telling you that I believe. Uh, See, Morpheus is an annoying guy to talk to. Right. I can't even imagine talking to him about dinner. Freaking Morpheus. Where do you want to go eat, Morpheus? Well, I believe we're going to eat wherever you pick we're going to eat. <laughs> okay, well, where is that going to be, Morpheus? I believe you'll make that choice. <laughs> oh, man. 
Okay, so let's get our combined scores here. The math. Pause for effect. <laughs> okay, big reveal time. Are you ready? Oh. My total is 7.6. Okay. And your total is 8.6. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. <laughs> 7.6 and 8.6. Uh-huh. Uh, let me pull up, uh, what is it? I, Rotten Tomatoes, right? Oh, well, before we go to Rotten Tomatoes and all of the uh, established scores, um, <laughs> did you have any bonus points you'd like to award or subtract? Um, n- no, surprisingly. You're going to keep it at 8.6? Yeah, I'm not going to use any Potter points. All right. Um, uh, oh, you, you know what? I will. And oh. once again, I'm going to use some Snape points or a, a, a <laughs> Snape subtraction. And I'm going to take 0.1 off of that to make it a around 8.5. 8.5. Okay. And the only reason I say this, and it's very critical, is that that bullshit about Bane at the end with yeah. the upside down shot. Who the fuck came up with that? You didn't. You gave me that guy for what? Eight minutes in the movie. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about him forever. And at the end, I'm supposed to know who the hell he is with his head upside down. And you gave me two and a half seconds to register that in my mind. Mm-hmm. Like they should have panned from left to right, you know, where they were like parallel to each other. Instead of down to up. Yeah. Down, it's just annoying. And it was pretentious as all shit. Yeah. So that part really chaps my ass. <laughs> and that deserves a whole point one. All right. <laughs> Would um, you like to use any Potter points to modify your score, Carter? I'm going to go round down to 7.5. Ooh, so you're going to Snape uh, subtractions, huh? Uh-huh. Only because I like 7.5 better than 7.6. <laughs> the arbitrary Potter points, ladies and gentlemen. Because <laughs> what you thought in those categories meant something. They kind of don't. <laughs> Sometimes they don't. And that's okay. No, I I actually do have something I, I did want to say. And 7.5 lands perfectly, in my opinion. Uh. When I first watched the series, mm-hmm. the second one did not make as much sense without the third one. Oh, yeah. So it really, and like we said before, the spoiler warning, when you watch the series Mm -hmm. all together, when they're paired together, it makes sense. All of it, answer questions are answered. It There's not a lot left unsaid, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. The second movie does not make enough sense without the third movie finishing the series. So until you watch, if this is your first time through, until you watch the third movie, the second movie kind of leaves you hanging. So it demands you to participate longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I would say that there would some, there would probably be some people that would interpret that as a compliment to each other and to the series. And there mm-hmm. are some people that would probably say it detracts from the experience. Yeah. I'm one of those people that would say it slightly detracts from the experience. Oh, like so. you didn't give me a complete movie. Like right. I'm forced to, it requires a forced watch of the third one, yeah. whether you liked the second one or not. Right. Right. Okay. Which, I I agree that, you know, this was early on in the filmmaking properties of, you know, the extended cuts and the director's edition and all of that stuff. I would have rather seen a The Matrix revolutions or whatever they wanted to call it Mm -hmm. as the entire story put together this big, long four hour masterpiece than Mm. having it split between The Matrix 2 and The Matrix 3. That kind of reminds me of Divergent. I remember I don't remember much of Divergent, but I remember the second one purposely ending in a way that was like you have to watch the third one Mm -hmm. whereas the first version it's like okay now we leave room for obviously we'll make more movies Mm -hmm. but we you get kind of a closure of the first well maybe we'll touch those movies someday but i i I agree with you there because actually that is detracting because it forces you to have to and in a way it forces you to have to have seen the first one 
and there are some film franchises that have done this well, and there are some that haven't done it well. Yeah. Like The Hobbit didn't need to be three movies. <laughs> <laughs> Hunger Games, the story fits well, having Mockingjay being split into part one and part two. Yeah. But it was a money grab. Yeah. Um, Harry Potter part or Harry Potter seven part one and two. Yeah. Also feels like it was kind of a money grabbing split. They could have cut some of, of that and made it just a really long final movie. Maze runner. Maze runner. Yeah. Uh huh. There are so many franchises that decide to make the final entry a part one, part two. It has to be a trilogy. Mm -hmm. That's annoying. Sometimes, sometimes it is. So anyway, there are some that do it well. There are some that don't do it well. And I really feel like it would have complimented the matrix to have their second chapter be one big long entry. We should definitely save that point for one day when a movie comes out and it's just two, two movies. We should give them some special award for like, thank goodness you managed not to fuck around and make three damn movies out of this. Well, see, I'm curious what's going to happen with, um, Dune Dune. Yep. Cause that's part one, part two. Yeah. But also we just heard an announcement for Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Mm. Now it's, uh, across the Spider-Verse part one. Oh no. Yeah. Okay. So there's going to be another one. I'm curious what that's going to look like when they split that one up. So <laughs> I'm only willing to do it because into the spider verse is an easy, I'm, I'm going to say it now. Like it's an easy 10 for me. I don't forever seeing it not being a 10. Yeah. But yeah, that's, it's like, I'm willing to give you the money, but at the same time, it's like, can we just, can someone do this in two movies? Right. Like do it in two. If you can do it in two, you win something from us. Uh, competitor scores. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gives The Matrix Reloaded 73% on the tomato meter. Ooh. So it lines up with you. Yeah. An audience score, 72%. Wow. So you are actually very close to what everyone agrees with. Dang. Which makes a lot of sense for our show because I'm insane. And IMDb has 7.2 out of 10. So yeah, I, I was tracking pretty close. You were <laughs> on the track and I'm just utter bull. I'm Morpheus. <laughs> I refuse to believe this movie is not a 10, even though I get an 8.5. Damn it, Dylan. Not everybody believes what you believe. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you believe. It only matters that I believe what I need to believe. What a pointless fucking argument. My beliefs do not require you to. <laughs> I don't know, Morpheus, but in the real world, it's hard to really get everybody on board if they don't believe. Oh, man. Are you ready for fun facts? Yes. Let's go into some fun facts. Yeah. Uh, we have no button for that because that's uh, we're not going to do fun facts for every movie. But just the ones that we are so enthused about. But, you know, since we uh, <laughs> skipped another category. What are we? Scoring. <laughs> uh, I need to get better about remembering those buttons. I will just splice them in. So this time, if you listen to this episode, you might hear scoring twice. <laughs> That's our fault. <laughs> and, and story time, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Story time. Do we, we only did one category, huh? Well, you know what? Sights and Sounds got its moment to shine, and yep. that's all that matters. That's all that matters. That's the best button. It is. Sights and Sounds! <laughs> uh, so we already mentioned Gina Torres mm-hmm. with Zoe from Firefly. We love Firefly. Right. And I will behead anybody who can't give me a convincing argument not to. Uh, <laughs> that's Lawrence Fishburne's uh, real-life wife at the time. Very cool. Did not know that until you mentioned that. A, the replacement of Tank, Tank from the first Matrix, was played by Marcus Chong. If that sounds slightly familiar for from for some listeners, Tommy Chong of Cheech and Chong, that's Marcus Chong's father, the guy that played Tank in the first movie. Oh. He was written out of the sequel due to a pay dispute. He demanded more money because he saw the success of the first Matrix, and when he was signed for the second one, he wanted more pay. And when Lana and Lily denied him the pay, he harassed them. 
So they said, well, fuck it, we'll just rewrite you. So Link only exists because Marcus Chong uh, had a controversy with the Wachowskis. I did not know he is Tommy Chong's son. son. Yeah. That's big fun fact. Wow. Ooh. Um, if I may pair another fun fact along with that. Yes, yes. Specifically for the Chongs. Um, <laughs> a, thought of, a, a thought on Chongs. A thought on Chongs. Um, <laughs> so I just recently watched Spy Kids after not having seen it since I was a kid. Oh. Um, I think it was... I think it was on Netflix and they just removed it like at the end of the year. So I was okay. like, Hey, we should watch spy kids. It's about to leave. Um, their uncle Felix, their fake uncle Felix. Yeah. Tommy Chong. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> so you only caught that now as an adult. Right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> a thought on Chong's. That should be a button. <laughs> There's Oh, do the harp one. The, the. A thought on Chong's. <laughs> And now <laughs> for Carter's <laughs> thoughts on chunks. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, this movie made over $740 million worldwide. Dang. The Matrix Reloaded is the highest grossing film in the whole franchise. Well, at the time, but still, I think to this day, because the new one sucks. Wow. <laughs> um, what probably helped the numbers was the print sent to theaters on release. The studio sent over 8,500 copies to movie theaters, the film reels, which earned Reloaded the Guinness Book of World Records for wide, widest print run of film Dang. to theaters. Considering special effects alone costs about $100 million alone. Right before release, it was reported Keanu Reeves opted not to take his contracted share of the ticket sales. So he was given, like, they're like, hey, this is what we're going to give you of the ticket sales. He opted not to because the producers weren't sure that they'd recoup their budget. Keanu Reeves took a pay cut just to make sure that other people, like, they could afford to pay other people so this movie could be made. And it wow. didn't matter anyway. Reeves gave most of his salary back to the production crew, even what he was paid. I did know that. I had heard about that before. That and he donated a lot of his pay from uh, the third most, one from the third one to like charities and stuff. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I heard a story where um, one of the makeup gals that was doing makeup for him in Reloaded, mm -hmm. she had a car that broke down, and the same day when he found out that story, like after the sh shooting was done, mm -hmm. he went out and bought a car. And brought it back to her the next and gave her a car, mm -hmm. like a brand new car. And he was like, hey, like just to help you. Like, this is why I go to the church of Keanu Reeves. Like he <laughs> is, he's like the modern day Jesus in a weird way. Like he's, he's Hollywood's good guy. Yeah. Like a real life good guy. And he has such a tragic, actually, if you look at his history, he has such tragic stories of loss. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't, you, and, and it's like, it's not like he doesn't deal with grief. He has a hard time with it. He gets depressed too. But sure. it's like he keeps taking that energy and puts good out. Right. Um, that being one of the things. So he obviously, he didn't, he barely, whatever they were like, Hey, this is your cut. Neil. He probably was the highest paid guy. Mm -hmm. Didn't even take most of it just to help everybody <laughs> like to make sure that they could make the film. That's awesome. He even said, I could live off of what I made in movies for centuries. So this isn't, this is a drop in the bucket, whatever. Mm -hmm. The highway scene was not a real highway. Uh, they, they built a whole one and a half mile asphalt construction that whole freeway shoot scene was not used. They didn't close down any freeways. They built their own freeway. Oh, wow. To do that whole scene. It was uh, used uh, as a decommissioned, it was a decommissioned Navy base in Alameda, California. <laughs> it was all made out of wood and concrete to, and then they made the, they used the wood to mimic like uh, concrete structures in some of the shots. Mm -hmm. They built a 1.5 mile freeway to shoot the scene. And when they were done, all the pieces that weren't damaged in the explosions and the crashes, they deconstructed it. And donated it to build low-income housing in Mexico. Wow. So instead of just tearing the set down and throwing it in the dumpster, 
it went to somewhere good. That's awesome. GM donated 300 cars, which were also destroyed during and after production. (laughs) (laughs) Years later, that same Navy base that they built the highway on, Mm. Mythbusters would test the impact between two semis, much like what occurred in Reloaded, to see if it would ripple and do the cool stuff. Uh The Burly Brawl scene, the scene where Neo fights 80 Smiths, Mm -hmm. it took 27 days to shoot. Some movies are shot in 27 days, like the whole freaking movie. That one scene took 27 days? Took 27 days to execute in its entire like production. Yeah. Just of that scene. The sound effects. Foley artists use toppling dominoes and bowling balls, knocking over for the pins to simulate the punches and kicks that Neo does, which you hear. Uh-huh. I did recognize some of those sounds. That's funny. Um, so Jet Li was supposed to play Seraph, but there was a pay dispute. He wanted to be paid as much as Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. The Wachowskis changed it to a female character. It was supposed to be Michelle Yeoh, who oh. is uh, Shang-Chi's aunt. Yeah. And Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon fame. Huh. She only turned it down because there was a conflict for another movie she was working on. They changed it from female back to male. Mm-hmm. And then it was Colin Chow who eventually played Seraph, who did it. I love Seraph. Yeah. I like his, by the third movie, he's this badass martial artist and semi-hired gun for the Oracle, mm-hmm. but he also checks on cookies for children. Yep. So, <laughs> good guy Seraph is a thing. <laughs> um, there are biblical references back to the first movie. Well, they exist in the first movies, Nebuchadnezzar, mm-hmm. Trinity. Um, but this one, there was a couple fun uh, biblical references. When Agent Smith rolls up in the Audi in the beginning, the license plate reads IS5416, and that's Isaiah 5416 in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And the verse that it's referring to is, Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire, and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work, and I have created the the waster to destroy. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, smith, hmm, big bad. A little bit of uh, preemptive knowledge going there. Yeah. So big Bible <laughs> fans, or if you're an ex-youth pastor, that was a very <laughs> critical moment. <laughs> Or if you're a youth pastor like Carter, you didn't notice it at all. <laughs> <laughs> and the last biblical reference is uh, the key maker tells Neo that he must knock out 27 blocks of power and will have 314 seconds before power reroutes. It's supposed to reference the 27th book of the New Testament, which is Revelations, and it's supposed to be chapter 3, verse 14. Mm-hmm. We did a little digging, and we couldn't come to a hard conclusion of how that line is interpreted. Right. So that's I just leave the the audience. Yeah. You, the listeners can decide what they want out of that. But uh, that's all the fun facts I have. A bit, a bit, it, 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 that's all, folks. <laughs> I think that's about it. We got anything else? No, I, I think that I think that is it. A good good review on the Matrix Reloaded. It was it was a good time. This is a fun movie. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to criticize the hell out of it, too. I find oh, yeah. more joy criticizing than saying good things, mm-hmm. which says a lot about me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think not good things. It's fun to give some analysis and kind of speculate on what really is going on behind the scenes in the movies. So, yeah. yeah. I think uh, after this should be Matrix Revolutions, the third and final chapter that is worth speaking about. <laughs> or it may be something else. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But definitely these aren't going to be too far apart. Yep. We, but we just don't we don't want to overdo Matrix constantly for a whole month. Right. So you hear some weird episodes in between. That's us just breaking in between. Yep. Uh, after we do Revolutions, we are going to have a fun one with a guest star who's going to join us. So next week, uh, we'll have a third person on the show. Mm-hmm. Well, next week for us, but sometime in the future for you. Yeah. Uh, but that's <laughs> all the fun news I have. Please send us recommendations or requests for 
uh, movies to review, if you haven't already. We received our very first one <laughs> today, our first official request. Encanto. Encanto, yeah, on Disney+. Plus. So we're going to add that to the roster All right. um, on a to-be-determined-forward date. So It will happen. Yeah, you just will. have to believe. It will happen. You just have to, just got to believe. And you know, good things come to those who wait and those who ask. So, if you would like a movie to be reviewed and maybe just don't pick your favorite movie cuz we might tear it apart. <laughs> but um I challenge some people. Give me your favorite movie so I can ruin your life. Oh, wonderful. Um but yeah, feel free to send us some communication and uh yeah we'll get your request into the mix so stranded in streaming on instagram mm-hmm. stranded in streaming at gmail and then you'll never find us on twitter because we both have a natural hatred for twitter <laughs> so we will not be twatting anytime soon oh carter just shook his head at me as inappropriate so oh I... <laughs> that's a natural I, reaction I to have. <laughs> i actually thought you said tweeting no no i said <laughs> I said, <clears throat> I said twatting. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> au revoir. Toodles. If you made it this far and you like the show, please hit subscribe on whatever podcast listening platform you use. We're available on all major platforms such as Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and more. To stay up to date and keep in touch, check out our Instagram at Stranded and Streaming. We'll post regular updates there for our followers. Feel free to send us a DM if you have any comments, questions, or requests for future reviews. But most importantly, thanks thanks for for listening. listening.